important in terms of my life, particularly facing some of the real challenging times. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. No, I've carefully reviewed all of those cases. I reviewed the facts and the law myself. I participated in drafting the reasons. The dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. Well, yes, it's it's proved that uh, it's proved that uh, man is basically uh, capable of uh, spiritual betterment. Uh, up to now, we have never had to turn anybody away. Never, because there is always there's one more bed, one more plate of rice. How I live to be a hundred. I don't know. I I did name for it. More shattering than your strangest nightmare. Gather your torches, cause we're digging up corpses. It's Battle of the Douchebag, episode. Well, season two, episode three. Battle of the Dead Douchebags. We got Larry Blinder, Lavish, and Noah here along for the ride. It's gonna be a good one. Woo! Coming up. We got Martin Luther King Jr. versus, uh, who was it again? Fuck, I do this every time. <laughs> Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. That's the one. Uh, I have everything pulled up but what I need. Lavish, you got it for me. I got it for me. We got Mother Teresa versus Martin Luther King Jr. Then we have Ted Kennedy versus Klaus Kinski. Then we have L. Ron Hubbard versus Janet Reno. And then, finally, wrapping it up, we got Michael Jackson versus Henry Kissinger. Holy shit! What everybody's going to need to do is follow at lavish at mk.scoop.social to make sure you can vote on each and every poll. And uh, we will have phone lines open. It's a phone number to call in when each poll goes live. It's going to be 865-465-6271. We're doing things a little differently today because we're on time crunch. It is a Thursday. This is the first ever Battle of Douchebags on a Thursday. And uh, so just make sure uh, just make sure you know that the polls are only going to be two minutes this time instead of five. So you got a little less time to get that vote in. But you know what? It's going to work out. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. And... Lightning round. Lightning round. Super sudden death. I... <laughs> sudden death. Super sudden death. I would like to uh, thank Larry, first of all, for coming up with the the ver- the day before the body was cold. Larry hit me up when uh, David Crosby, Crosby Stills Nash, died and said, have you ever thought about doing Battle of the Dead Douchebags? It's never too soon. And I thought, you know what? You're right. So before we jump into our competitors, I thought it was only fair to play one David Crosby clip. Oh, boy. And it's, it's two minutes. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Let's yep. To me, songs are the jacks are better. They're, they're the, the real meat of the matter. You know, I, you can dress it up any way you want. It still has to start with a song and, uh, and a good one. I mean, he's a really good writer when he wants to be. Well, to talk about... A beautifully written song second album just a year later 
included our house. And what I wanted to ask you about that was here's something where you had been romantically involved with Joni Mitchell, then you moved on. But when you now have a song, first of all, where Graham is now involved with her, and then there's a song about that, I wondered, was it tough to sing about her now being with somebody else, or were you just already moved on to other, you know, obviously you'd had your So own. you didn't watch the documentary? Of course I watched the documentary, but... Okay, well, you need to go back and watch it again. I, I'm teeing up a question for you. Graham was unquestionably the best person for Joni. Yep. And it was a good match, and I was quite happy about it. Yeah. And you recognize that song immediately was a special one. You're kind of a dumb guy, you know that? Well, I can see why some of these other guys have a problem with you. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But don't come here don't, and insult me. Hey, you're an asshole, man. You fucking go through uh, fucking <laughs> kindergarten shit here. Yeah? You got somebody in front of you who can answer stuff that's serious. And we could have talked about all kinds of serious shit. And you're going through fucking infantile crap that anybody could have got out of a fucking book. Yeah. Okay, well, good. You're a dipshit. Bye. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> you idiot. Get out of here. Yeah. Are you going to my life week by week, like it's a history lesson? I'm mean, good. Did you meet Joni Mitchell? What was that? What? He's a fucking idiot. You didn't talk about the documentary one fucking bit. I've been in here a half hour. And so did you meet Graham? What was it like with Graham? What was Joni? Was that bad for you? He's a fucking idiot. Yeah, you should get me out. You should filter people better than that fucking dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> that kind All of made right, me like great. him to be honest it, yeah actually yeah a little bit yeah. <laughs> yeah. who was the good guy who was the victim it was, was some guy from hollywood reporter wow he ends oh, the podcast and he goes good. oh well that was the first time i've ever had an episode ends like end like this uh sorry everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoa 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 no 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 but I think we should just jump right into it. I do have to thank uh, Nestworks, obviously, for that brilliant Halloween in February art. Yeah, uh, that's I'm, th- yeah. he knocks it out of a park every time. What can I say? Nestworks yeah. always coming in clutch uh, for the douchebags. Big thank time, you, big time. Hats off to him. Anyways, I would like to thank Gherkinator, who it's been a long time coming, but I wanted to wait to credit him for Battle of Douchebags because the last Battle of Douchebags he donated a big old hundred bucks on the board. Big time. Uh, that's, nice. That's that's from the Gherkinator. That was for the episode we did where Taylor Swift won, and we'll be making it to the finals. So Taylor Swift, Andrew Tate, last two winners. The winner of this episode, one dead douchebag, will be meeting up with the those two finalists in the finals of this season. Ooh. Who's it going to be? I don't know. I got a yes, rewind that, button, that, and no, we that, can damn sure play it back. But let's just jump right into that first uh, battle. I believe it's Mother Teresa versus Martin Luther King Jr. Are we going in the chronological order there? I believe yeah, that's, I think so. Let's. So yeah, we won't even do the coin toss. We'll just jump right into it. Um, that does that make it? I got to pull up that bracket. That's Martin Luther King, right? Or is that Mother Ter- Mother T? Mother Teresa versus Martin Luther King. Mother Teresa, I think, is first. Oh shit! Bring it on, Uh-oh. challengers! Approach. Oh boy! Challengers uh, approach. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Battle of the Douchebags. So uh, everybody, just so everyone's fresh on the rules, you get about ten minutes per contestant to talk about whatever you're going to talk about. So I'm going to be keeping time. Let me just get my stopwatch here going. 
And yeah, okay. So Mother Teresa, uh, if you're a little younger, maybe you don't know her, but back when I was a kid in the 90s, Mother Teresa was on the television all the time. One of the most famous people in the world. Uh, she was a Albanian Indian Catholic nun, and she was a founder of the Missionary of Charity, which was headquartered in Calcutta, India. Uh, she had her members take vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience, and uh, to give the wholehearted free service to the poorest of the poor all over the world. Um, however, despite hundreds of millions that were donated to her, her facilities were always very poor, as poor as the people they treated, usually with untrained volunteer medical staff, filthy conditions, uh, low-level painkillers to give to those dying from painful cancers or other ailments, no beds, no uh, hot running water. There were many reports of abuse. And all the while, she traveled the world in private jets, staying at palaces and hotels, dining with the wealthiest and most powerful world leaders, Whoa. whose actions and policies often oppressed the poor uh, more than anything else. Uh, and, of course, when it came to her own medical needs, she would fly to world-class hospitals in Europe instead of uh, seeking it in her own. Uh, so you guys you guys remember Mother Teresa, right? Mm-hmm. Not not too far away. I had her confused with compl- someone completely different until you thought she was today. like Joan of Arc or yeah, something. I thought she was like <laughs> she from was 500 like, years ago <laughs> from, from the dark ages. Yeah. Well, she well, never changed that fucking babushka on her head. You know, like, was that the only one she owned? It was the only one she owned and she Probably made all the it. other girls wear them too. So everybody really? wears these weird babushkas all day long. Mm. Thousands of them. Uh, anyway, I, I, maybe you remember a fellow named Christopher Hitchens, who may very yeah. well actually be a, a sure. qualifier on Dead Douchebag himself. But mm-hmm. he made a, a documentary on her called Hell's Angel. And so a lot of what I'm going to pull today will be from that. Not all of it, but a good amount mm-hmm. of it. So we'll start open with this clip here. The rich world has a poor conscience. It wants, in fact it needs, to think that someone, somewhere, is doing something about the third world. And the Mother Teresa myth ministers to this desire. Here is a Western woman who has forsaken her life, albeit whatever life she might have had in Albania, um, you know, for for sacrifice herself for the people of the third world. It makes the West feel better, you know. This is this is one of us again, once again rescuing the third world. Raising the roof. Yes, raising the roof. He's got his rations. Yes, he's got it. He's cleaning it. And then Petrosov. In the subliminal appeal that she generates, there is something of the mission to the heathen, something of the old colonial outpost, and something of Florence Nightingale. While in the silent and abject demeanor of her patients, there is something of the deserving poor. The great white hope in this iconography takes on the big black hole. And the rewards are by no means all in heaven. For someone whose kingdom is not of this earth, Mother Teresa has an easy way with thrones, dominions, and powers. Why do the rulers of this sinful and selfish world find her so awfully congenial? Is it because she returns the compliment? She may or may not comfort the afflicted, but she has certainly never been known to afflict the comfortable. Some people see her here, posing with Ron and Nancy. In the truest sense, citizens of the world. Mother Teresa is. The very hand that bestowed the Medal of Freedom on Mother Teresa armed and paid the death squads of Central America. Accepting the award with her customary modesty on behalf of all the world's poor, she croaked, 
I never realized that you loved the people so tenderly. I must say, I hadn't noticed that either. Reagan's proxies murdered, among many others, four American nuns and the Catholic Archbishop of San Salvador at the very moment that he was celebrating Mass. But, visiting the slaughterhouse states of the region during that period, Mother Teresa found nothing untoward. Everything was peaceful in the parts of the country we visited, she claimed, after touring the killing fields of Guatemala, adding for good measure, I do not get involved in that sort of politics. Yeah, so that'll be a running theme with Teresa. She she likes to hang out at the top of the top, and she likes to be an ideal, sort of like a, like how indulgences used to be for the first world, where the first world desperately wants someone to do something for the third world. And Mother Teresa is the easiest thing to give money to, to feel good about. Uh, it's like Jim like will as fix if it. Doing something. It's like Jim will fix it. Yeah. She's like uh, Jimmy Seville in a dress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> A very astute observation, my friend. Uh, we continue with this next clip. Mother Teresa is a Nobel Prize winner. She's a symbol. People in the West talk about her. So Indians adopt her at that level. The fact that what she does on the streets of Calcutta is really irrelevant to them. They couldn't care about it. And most of them don't even know. But Mother Teresa is the sort of figure you show to visitors. Mother Teresa's flagship institution is her home for the dying a hospice which purportedly sweetens the last moments of otherwise destitute lives. My initial impression was of all the photographs and footage I've ever seen of Belson and places like that because all the patients had shaved heads. There are no chairs anywhere, they're just these stretcher beds and they're like First World War stretcher beds. There's no garden, no yard even, no nothing. And I thought, what is this? This is, a, this is two rooms with... 50 to 60 men in one, 50 to 60 women in another. They're dying. They're not being given a great deal of medical care. They're not being given painkillers really beyond aspirin and maybe if you're lucky some brufen or something for, them, for the sort of pain that goes with terminal cancer and, and the things that they were dying of. And I thought, what's the point? They didn't have enough drips. Um, the needles they used and reused over and over and over, and you would see some of the nuns um, rinsing needles in co under the cold water tap. And I asked one of them why she was doing it. And she said, well, to clean it. And I said, yes, but why are you not sterilizing it? Why are you not boiling um, water and sterilizing your needles? She says, there's no point. There's no time. Mother Teresa's cult of death and suffering depends for its effect on the most vulnerable and helpless, abandoned babies, say, or the terminally ill, who supply the occasions for charity and the raw material for demonstrations of compassion. Yeah, demonstration of compassion. You're getting millions of dollars, <laughs> but you don't have anything to show for it. Yeah, it's, it's not an actual compassion. It's a demonstration of compassion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you and think meanwhile, she put a curse on Hitchens? Oh, yeah. I mean, she looked like a fucking witch. She really did. She does. Yeah. She's got that weird old world woman look. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And somebody in the chat there said, said it right. Uh, she is like a Greta. Eric uh, PP said, like a Greta. Uh, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> where she, she's kind of selected at a young age. Yeah, that too. But she was selected at a young age, and she was kind of groomed to be this 
international icon for, you know, world, uh, first world goody good bullshit mm. that really isn't, doesn't actually mean anything. Uh, I will f- uh, close with this clip here. If it sometimes seems that the saint of Calcutta is never actually in Calcutta at all, this may be because she operates more as the roving ambassador of a highly politicized papacy. Vatican foreign policy has taken her from the shores of Lebanon, where the Roman Catholic militia perpetrated the mass murder of the Sabra and Shatila camps, to Nicaragua, where the cardinal was the patron of the Contras, to Armenia, where she helped Mother Church gain a foothold in the Soviet Union. In return, the present Pope is known to have placed her on the fast track for canonization. This is the kind of politics in which she does indeed get involved. Robert Maxwell's genius for self-promotion made a nice fit with Mother Teresa's talent for fundraising. Robert Maxwell being Ghislaine Maxwell's dad, uh, the English-Israeli media tycoon, uh, also had a big part in making her very famous. They both helped each other out there. It became hard to decide which of the two was using which, or was it both? In the United States, Mother Teresa accepted well over a million dollars from Mr. Charles Keating, a right-wing Catholic fundamentalist and anti-pornography crusader, who was also a California savings and loan tycoon. Mr. Keating's problem was that he was using other people's money. He's now behind bars after the greatest scandal in American financial history. But while he was flying high, Mother Teresa flew right along with him. She got the use of his private plane. He got a personalized Mother Teresa crucifix, which he used to store up treasure on earth. Let's get him out of here. Why should the missionaries of charity have such a special vocation for work among the rich? And does Mother Teresa pick frauds because they need her help more than the honest billionaires? It's not a question that she's ever answered, but then... In the prevailing atmosphere of piety and adoration, it's not a question that she's ever been asked. Yeah, that's our girl. So in that, she mentions, let's see here, the Lebanon massacre, uh, which was uh, the Sabra and Shatila massacre of 1982. Uh, You've got the Soviet Union involved. You've got Robert Maxwell. And you have Charles Keating, who was a, a real estate developer and kind of like a a Ponzi scheme type of guy who was the the Madoff. He was like a Madoff before Madoff Mm. of California, uh, cost the federal government $3 billion and left about over 20,000 customers with worthless bonds. Uh, yeah. So that's my, (laughs) that's my opening pitch for mother Teresa. (laughs) What a douche. Maxwell. Do you think Maxwell was banging her? (laughs) Oh God. I hope so. (laughs) I, I really so. hope that that footage is somewhere. Because I mean, um, the question was who's using who, so I have to say that. I also say Mother Teresa was allegedly a virgin, mm. but you know, yeah, so am I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> does that bring us to uh, Martin Luther King Jr.? It sure does. Yep, Martin Luther King Jr. Well, I think uh, we'll just play this intro here. Everybody, know, uh, by the way, happy Black History Month, everybody. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Civil rights activist and Baptist minister Martin Luther King Jr. is best remembered for his use of civil disobedience to advance equal rights for African Americans. 
As the only non-president to have a national holiday in the United States named after him, you'd think Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be very well known. But the truth is, what most people have heard about the legendary civil rights activist barely scratches the surface. So ABC News, days after uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated by the FBI, uh, by the way, uh, federal uh, <laughs> court ruled yeah. in Memphis and a federal court that that was definitely an assassination done by the government. Uh, so after the government assassinates Martin Luther King Jr., this ABC News reporter is walking around. For some reason, there's a bunch of cars like parked or stuck in traffic or something. And he walks up to this lady who's got a screaming kid in the back seat, and he goes, hey, ma'am, if you're right, can I ask you a question about Martin Luther King? What do you think about the death? And this is what she says. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Well, it all depends on the question. Can you tell me uh, what effect Martin Luther King's death has had on you? It hasn't had any on me personally. Uh, oof. Uh, not a good start here. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's there's some people in modern day now that have um, uh, kind of dug back into Martin Luther King Jr.'s past and... Uh, We'll just play. We'll just let this guy on YouTube talk about what he thinks. Growing up, Martin Luther King Jr. was presented as a walking god, a man who had no flaws, and a modern-day superhero. It wasn't up until recent years and thanks to the internet that a discussion started to circulate about his life outside of politics. According to records, MLK was a cheater and a womanizer. Yes, the records reveal that Martin Luther King was spreading his word in more than one way. But honestly, it doesn't bother me nor surprise me. <laughs> Well, he's not bothered by it, so that's good. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you, this is a, a guy that I think is widely revered as a great, probably the most revered and respected pastors in American history. Would you guys agree? Sure. I would agree with that. But if you notice lately, okay, um, when he was, um, you know, from his assassination to just a few years ago, he was almost always referred to as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, right? Reverend Dr. Pfeiffer. Yeah. Rev Doc. <laughs> and if you, if you listen to anybody, you know, naming him these days, they drop the Reverend. And that's kind of interesting. Like, why would they do that? Is it uh, the creeping advance of secularism? I don't know what it is, but it's really odd because he always had a double-barreled title before his name, and now it's just Doctor. Well, maybe they should be dropping something there. Yeah, I was going to say maybe they should be dropping the Reverend part because maybe he. Uh, this is what he believed theologically. So, there's a point in your article where you mention the social gospel. And how King implemented that or embraced that early on in his theology or study of seminary school that it's a help me out it's a German white Jewish guy yep. in the nineteen twenties, maybe that, <laughs> we got a lot of those. Unpack that for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. King 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 went to Crozier Theological Seminary, which was a very liberal seminary. Uh, and as a result, he was exposed to a lot of different philosophical ideas and opinions. Uh, theologically, he, he, he rejected, uh, the, the deity of Christ. He rejected the resurrection of Christ. He rejected the virgin birth. He rejected a literal hell. And in the piece, I lay out not my ideas or my, or, you know, my, my thoughts about it. I actually go back to the, the writing that King did on those subjects so that you could see his writing for himself. Ideologically, he was aligned with a guy by the name of Walter Rauschenbusch. So 
his his uh inspiration for his theology is a uh, german jew and i i just think it's strange that you would go around referring to yourself as a baptist minister a baptist preacher a baptist reverend and you don't believe in the divinity of christ <laughs> uh and he i that's confirmed in his private writings and his public writings so what's up with that mm. why that's maybe why they dropped the reverend part of the reverend dr king maybe uh, how how am I doing on time there, Lavish? Do I got time for one more clip? You got five minutes. Oh, plenty of time. All right. Um, let's, just, let's just go ahead and hit this one. This is a very accurate source of history here. Hello. Today we're going to talk about the FBI versus Martin Luther King Jr. During the 1960s, J. Edgar Hoover was the head of the FBI. He's an old man. And he thought, communists are gonna take over America, and I gotta get ready for it. Meanwhile, Martin Luther King, the nonviolent Christian minister, gives the greatest speech of the entire 20th century. I have a dream that we will live in a fair society where, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are, you can achieve anything you believe in. Like 10 other beautiful things. And J. Edgar Hoover sees a speech and says, I have a dream. This is total communist stuff. It all makes so much sense when you think about it like a crazy person. Uh, what if uh, maybe later in the episode, if MLK makes it, we will get into why and how Martin Luther King Jr. was a literal communist. But uh, really? J. Edgar Hoover might have been onto something is all I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> Jay Edgar Hoover called a press conference and Hoover tells these reporters that he's invited who are all women for some reason Martin Luther King is the most dishonest man in America one of Hoover's underlings is saying maybe you shouldn't talk sh- about Martin Luther King maybe you should be nice and Hoover's like f- you I'm gonna tell the truth they meet in J. Edgar Hoover's office Martin Luther King says, Hey, J. Edgar Hoover, I love everything you've ever done. Maybe we could just be better teammates so we can achieve peace throughout America. After those first two minutes, J. Edgar Hoover decided, Dude, now it's my turn. It's my turn to say what's on my mind. The FBI does this. The FBI does that. The FBI is helping you here. The FBI is helping you there. And he just goes on and on and on and on about how awesome the FBI is. And afterwards, one of Martin Luther King's friends calls him and says, What was that like meeting with Martin Luther King? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm that, that's how drunk I am. Okay. What was that like meeting with Jake Hoover? And Martin Luther King was like, Dude, I'll tell you. Jay Hoover, he's just an old man who talks too much. He's crazy. Jay Hoover was listening to everything that he said. He was like, what the f***? He's talking about me even though I just talk with them? Oh man, it's on now. These boss, these, these guys... By the way, this is drunk history, in case that one yeah. figured that out. <laughs> yeah, I figured that out. Yeah. So this is a really drunk guy explaining the, the story. 
These guys try to harass Martin Luther King. This FBI agent, William Sullivan, his entire job is like mind effing. So he decides like, I gotta, I gotta write a letter. Dear Martin Luther King, I'm a black person just like you. I'm not a white guy. I think that you are a bad person. You better kill yourself. Uh, see the attachment? The attachment is a recording of you having sex with lots of people. The end. I'm black. Send. When this mysterious package showed up, Martin Luther King's wife, Coretta Scott King, listened to it. It was like a mixtape that the FBI had specially made. Every sex act, every embarrassing thing that Martin Luther King had ever done. And Martin Luther King's like, this is crazy. <laughs> All right. So we'll leave it there. Martin <laughs> Martin Luther King, at a, a at a minimum, cheated on his wife with over 40 other women during his ministry and during the civil rights movement. And uh, that was not the worst of it, but that, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And uh, there you go. MLK. Happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. Got to do what you got to do. We got an extra day this month, guys. Let's celebrate it. Yeah. Happy Leap Day, by the way, boys. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that was 10 minutes on the dot. Oh, so yeah, we'll start the polls now. You can go to mk.spook.social slash at lavish, and that'll be my profile. Uh, but I'll also be posting in the chat in the troll room. So we'll get it going. Uh, two minute poll starts now. I don't know who created Pokemon Go, but I'm trying to figure out. How we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. All right, everybody. Let's get and vote in those polls. The phone lines will be open uh, briefly. We, <laughs> you can give us a call at 865-465-6271. 865-465-6271. Operators are standing by. Who do you think is going to win? Martin Luther King Jr. or Mother Teresa Jr.? Or Sr.? <laughs> Live results aren't looking good for you, Chris. I'll hey, say that. Hey, no spoilers. <laughs> oh, no spoilers. No spoilers. Are they? No that's that's the a hint. Anything, anything could happen. Anything. Could a whole happen. two minutes. Oh, that's that's all the time in the world. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> two minutes start 15 seconds ago. Ooh. That's true. I should Ooh. give the chat a 15 seconds. Honestly, so. if. If Martin Luther King Jr. wins on Black History Month, then I'm just going to quit the show because my whole audience is racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, get in there. Martin Luther King Wait. Jr. was a piece of shit. Vote for him. He was a piece of shit. I feel Mother like Mother Teresa get was that. a did piece you, of did, shit. How, how many clips did you have left over of Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah, oh, I got like at least I got like ten more clips on him. Yeah, I was going to say that that didn't feel like a. No, I, I, I was. It was kid gloves for round one. I'm saving the. I'm saving the hard stuff for later. Maybe that was a bad strategic move. I don't know. Maybe I should have gone hard at the in the paint at the beginning. It's always the. That's always the question. Got a slam. I think MLK is probably more universally loved than Mother Teresa, just statistically. So I think you'll have a little. You're facing a little bit of resistance just because it's MLK. Well, we have a national holiday for him, not for Mother Teresa, so I think you're right. Uh, Mother Teresa does have a feasting day, actually, because she's a saint. Is she a saint? Was she canonized? No, she no was kidding. bullshit canonized. A feasting day? I didn't know Dude, that. they pushed her the fuck in there for no reason. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, the voting's up. 
Boy. Sorry, do, do you want me to give you a 30 oh, second head start? Shit. Chris? Yeah, I didn't even, I wasn't even ready. Uh, let me, it's, well, let's just, it's, it's all right. Oh, and we'll, we'll just, just, we'll get to it real quick. Long enough. <laughs> Two minutes, it's fast. Hello, all right. caller, you're on the air. Uh, who you liking? Arrogance will be your downfall. You should have been slamming it in from the very get go. I'm <laughs> slamming Mother Teresa here to the end. Slamming all the way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you should have been slamming Slam. it in, man. All right. All right. Slam it in. First round's up. Oh, boy. 21 votes in all. 13 votes go to Mother Teresa as the winner for the first round. Republican got eight votes. Uh, there you go. Damn. All right. Well, that means, that means we need uh, to give it. Here we go. Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Mother Teresa. Mother T. Mother T, Mama T in the house. <laughs> well, um, I'll, I I didn't get to play all my clips uh, of Martin Luther King Jr. beating women and laughing while they got raped in front of him, but uh, that was coming up. But well, you know what? We'll skip all that. Yeah, you probably you probably should have started with that. <laughs> you got to start with the with the rape, man. Yeah, uh, but we'll just we'll just Laughing go ahead. At rape. Yeah, that one's that was uh that'll be at the end of the show. As always, any clips that don't get played, you will hear at the end of the show in post production. But let me just go ahead and play you this. This is from um well, this is uh one of your old buddies there, Larry. This is Dick Masterson yeah. and uh Vito Giswaldi on their show Biggest Problem in the Universe, which they stole from oh, Maddox. Really? And they are talking about this episode was the biggest problem in Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And uh Vito's going to bring a problem here and explain to Dick why uh the, one of the biggest problems in Black History Month is the government co-opting of Martin Luther King Jr. To make change, we must be violence with non-violence. Christ taught love, not hate for his enemies. My problem, Dick, is the governmental hijacking of MLK as a as a what do you oh, call it? As a totem, as a as a propaganda tool to for peacefulness. Uh, for peacefulness. Now, famously, uh, Martin Luther King preached the path of nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And what does the government love not more? Against women, but not against well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not going down that fucking route. But we tried that. Famously, preached <laughs> nonviolent protest tactics. Yeah, and is it any surprise that the United States government goes? What a great guy that guy was. Yeah. We're going to give him a federal holiday. Let's kill him. We're going to make a bunch. Of, well, we're going to try to kill him. But then when that doesn't work, uh, let's give him a bunch of statues <laughs> that are fucking weird looking. Let's give him a bunch of streets and teach about him in schools. That was always, to me, the weirdly insidious thing. Yeah. Because I remember, was your education the same where they go, you know, the great thing about this MLK guy was the nonviolent <laughs> resistance. Yeah, he just would sit around. He would just go into like a restaurant <laughs> and sit down. Down. Think about that, kids. Isn't that a great way to uh, affect this is change the best thing you've ever community? said? Actually, oh, I've always thought this. I always, thought, I always remember thinking about it and going, "Well, like, yeah, but like, if shit had gone bad, shouldn't he have got some guns and killed all the people who were like holding him back?" Yeah, like, no, 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 that's not as good mm-hmm. as uh, look at this. Rosa Parks got on that bus and she sat down quietly. You yeah. can try it yourself in case you're ever mad at the government. If you're ever huh. mad at the government, just sit quietly and it'll solve itself. Yeah. It works sometimes. Okay? I, it can work. Or any guys. Look, I think there is a time and a place for nonviolent resistance. The problem is when you when take it, 
when the government takes it and they go, that guy was so great. He oh, had yeah. all the answers. Hey, he's your best friend. Like, uh, not to diminish his accomplishments, but once the government is teaching about it and being like, isn't that so inspirational? The way too. he got everybody to sit there quietly and, and they, they don't talk about like Malcolm X and yeah, like no. the Black Panther. They don't talk about Malcolm X. No, no, no. Not allowed to talk about it. I remember our school taught about Gandhi like a little bit. Again, more nonviolent. They're like, this Gandhi guy's great too. You guys should yeah. look into that. And the government tried to kill him the fbi the same uh, fbi we still have yeah the same fbi <laughs> that for some reason and they tweet about him on mlk day today's a great day it's like you guys don't believe this at all <laughs> well today we remember that black guy we tried to convince oh, to kill him it was a bad plan by the way you ever look at the plan they had they sent him a letter and they're like oh listen you know you've been sleeping around a lot i mean Probably be better if you just kill yourself. I'm like, mean, is that all the FBI? The FBI, they they're retarded. <laughs> all right, there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I I love that. I love hey, that. Sometimes show. sitting down isn't the best solution. Sometimes standing up is the best solution. <laughs> that like, made me like laugh. in Tiananmen Square, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Way cooler. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't get run over by a tank or anything. You know, <laughs> taking a nap is the best solution. Surely. Yeah, for- that's what I would say. Getting pro. Horizontal. <laughs> well, anyway, that's uh, that's him. Okay, there. And to quote the Trevor Moore song "Time for Guillotines," Martin Luther King and Gandhi both can go suck a dick. Truly, yeah. Because Gandhi we, could have easily been on this list. Uh, yeah, I, I, and yes. I think the the line before that in the song that Trevor Moore did was, um, "We're going to take the chairman of the treasury and the secretary, or the secretary of the treasury and the chairman of the Fed, and have every man, woman, and child in the nation gang rape them until they're dead." And I think that's a better solution than Martin Luther King and Gandhi's. But, you know, what do I know? <laughs> All right. Uh, next bracket here. Fucking RIP Martin Luther King. I didn't expect to win with that one, but, you know, uh, Mother Teresa <laughs> is a little more evil, I think. <laughs> I don't I don't like women enough to feel bad for the victims of Martin Luther King Jr., I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> well, let's move on to the next bracket. Kidding. Kidding. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Ted Kennedy versus Klaus Kinski. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So that's Ted Kennedy up first, then. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I guess I better speak. Um, I got a lot of clips of him, so do I do I burn them all now or save them for, like, round two or something? You're definitely going to not want to burn all of them. Yeah. Uh, so, but maybe but you do want to start strong. All right. Let's start, let's start wait, off. Wait. This is Ted, this is, Ted Kennedy versus who? Uh, Klaus, Klaus Kinski. Kinski. That's kind of weird. Politician mm. versus a weird actor. Anyway, um, I'll just say mm. this about about this Teddy thing, and, and uh, is that I didn't I didn't need any um, third party perspective on this asshole. He's such a fucking douchebag. He convicts himself. Okay, so all of these clips are taken from after he walked away from that poor broad that drowned in Chappaquiddick in 69. Um, mm. ABC accorded him a full 12 minute of net, minutes of network time to adjudicate uh, himself and excuse himself. OK, and all these clips are from that Teddy staring right into that lens, reading his teleprompter with his carefully prepared uh, speech. And he fucking absolutely, completely convicts himself. He and his people were that fucking stupid. So you can roll clip one. Nice. My fellow citizens, I have requested this opportunity to talk to the people of Massachusetts about the tragedy which happened last Friday evening. Stop. This morning I entered a plea of... Stop. 
Yeah. Okay, right there. The word, <laughs> the word tragedy. Okay, Teddy boy. Um, an earthquake uh, is a tragedy. Uh, you know, a, a, a firestorm, a <laughs> California fire, fucking uh, tsunamis. Those are tragedies because they're unstoppable. This was this was a fucking murder. This was your doing, fuckface. You were at the wheel of that Oldsmobile. There was no tragedy involved. It was more like an atrocity. Roll it. Yeah, big time. About the tragedy which happened last Friday evening. This morning I entered a plea of guilty to the charge of leaving the scene of an accident. Prior to my appearance in court, (laughs) it would have been proper for me to comment on these matters. But tonight I am free to tell you what happened. Stop. So prior to his experience to to uh, to tonight, so that was before he could get all his fucking spin doctors to tell him exactly what to say about this. You know, would have been improper. No, <laughs> he clammed up until they gave him a good tight script. Go. Yeah, that's that seems like the move though in his credit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. It would have been proper for me to comment on these matters, but tonight I am free to tell you what happened and to say what it means to me. Yeah, wow. what it means to me. It, so if this is a recurring theme through everything, this is, it's not about the poor dead chick lying at the bottom of a fucking canal in his vineyard. It's about Teddy. Okay, you can roll clip two now. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if, I know Bobby Kennedy, his uh, junior, has talked about how the the suspicious circumstances around his dad and, and his uncle, JFK. I'm one, I wonder if he has anything to say about Teddy. I, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. On the weekend of July 18th, I was on Martha's Vineyard Island, participating with my nephew, Joe Kennedy. As for 30 years, my family has participated in the annual Edgartown Sailing Regatta. Stop. Only reasons of health. Stop. So so he's like Thurston Howell, the fucking third. He's got his ascot on, and he's got to tell everybody that he's a sailor, man. And he's he was doing a regatta. What the fuck? <laughs> who, who wrote this shit for him? It's fucking incredible. Keep going. Some coked has out participated lawyers. in the annual Edgartown Sailing Regatta. Only reasons of health prevented my wife from accompanying me. Stop. On Chappaquiddick Stop. Island... Sorry, I keep fucking that up. <laughs> he, he, he ran up. He was he he was the regatta was an excuse to fucking chase Poontang. Okay, so he's letting you know. Oh my, my wife wasn't feeling well, or she'd have been with me. Yeah, right, Teddy. Sure, he, sure, sure. He's a Kennedy man. They're good at getting pussy. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what language? And ditching their wives. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, wait. RFK Jr. stole fucking Larry David's wife. I mean, look yeah. at that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and also, the right way from HBO, the way John yeah. F. Kennedy ditched uh, Jackie Kennedy. I don't know if that was an intentional <laughs> get out. Of, <laughs> he ditched his wife in a weird way. That's from sailing regatta. Only reasons of health prevented my wife from accompanying me. On Chappaquiddick Island, off Martha's Vineyard, I attended on Friday evening, July 18th, a cookout I had encouraged and helped sponsor for a devoted group of Kennedy campaign secretaries. When I left the party around 11.15 p.m., I was accompanied by one of these girls, Miss Mary Jo Kopechny. Mary Jo was one of the most devoted members of the staff of Senator Robert Kennedy. She worked for him for four years and was broken up over his death. 
for this reason and because she was such a gentle, kind, an idealistic person, all of us tried to help her feel that she still had a home with the Kennedy family. There is no truth, no truth whatever, to the widely circulated suspicions of immoral conduct that have been leveled at my behavior and hers regarding that evening. I gotta come. There has never been a private relationship between us of any kind. So there you go. So so now he's setting up the whole scenario here. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, uh, you know, driving her home in the dark of night for, you know, for whatever obvious reason. He was there to comfort her because she was so broken up. Because yeah, as everybody knows, oh when, you're really, when you're really fucking shattered over someone's death that you love, you go to a fucking barbecue. Right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's the first thing you do. Yeah, with Ted Kennedy. Yeah. With Ted Kennedy. You know, and and then we're <laughs> <laughs> How am I doing time-wise here, Lavish? Uh, you have, um, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, you have six, okay. you have, so six oh. thirty. So you got about three and a half minutes. All right, you can you can run the next one. Car no. bridge. All right. Nor was I driving under the influence of liquor. Stop. <laughs> That's <Careful> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the word. No, nor was I driving under the influence of liquor. No, he doesn't I, I had say 37. Liquor, that wine or beer. Yeah, I had 37 <laughs> wine beers, or beers but... mentioned. Yeah, I, I had, had 30 beers. Case of Pat's Blue Ribbon. But, you know. Keep going. Roll it. Nor was That's I driving under the influence of liquor. A little over one mile away, the car that I was driving on an unlit road went off a narrow bridge which had no guardrails and was built on the left angle to the road. Stop. Stop. Uh, this? It's, it's, the, it's the bridge designer that's their fault. Yeah. It was an unlit bridge. It was <laughs> tilted. It was tilted the wrong fucking way. It was dark. You know, so it was all, all those fuckers that built that bridge. They killed her. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the Freemasons. It's all, always yeah. blame the masonry. had no guardrails <laughs> and was built on the left angle to the road. The car overturned in a deep pond and immediately filled with water. I remember thinking as the cold water rushed in around my head that I was for certain drowning. Big head too. The Big water ended my so, lungs so, and I asked. He's thinking about I'm drowning. There isn't a thought about the chick in the passenger seat next to him with no panties. No, it's I, I remember thinking I'm drowning. <laughs> oh, I mean, God. this fucking guy, he's a fucking sociopath. You know, you couldn't write this shit. It's incredible how he self-incriminates. And a bunch of people signed off on this, like you said. That's the <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. They're like, this sure, is the best. This is the best and most believable alibi we can think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crooked bridge was unlit. Was a little bit tilted. Yeah, it'll fly. I, I was worried I was Wonder drowning. I, I forgot there was a passenger in the car. Oh, yeah. I yeah, only had more two of cases clip. of beer, no liquor. My head that I was for certain drowning. Then water entered my lungs, and I actually felt the sensation of drowning. But somehow I struggled to the surface alive. I made immediate and repeated efforts to save Mary Jo by diving into the strong and murky current that succeeded only in increasing my state of utter exhaustion and alarm. Holy shit. Exhaustion and, <laughs> exhaustion and alarm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted and alarmed right now. Both. Yeah, it's, yeah really. So, uh, you yeah. I'm sure my 10 minutes are up, but there's, you know, uh, you got 40 seconds left. You want them. 
you know, let's, uh, you know, we can just kind of, uh, we'll revisit those if Teddy's still alive. After this, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, this round. That's yeah, good. good. I had never seen yeah. that. Beautiful. I've never seen that interview somehow. That's. Uh, oh, it's mind blowing. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us then to Klaus Kinski. Mm. Klaus Kinski. Another one for the for the kiddos that they might not know who Klaus is. Klaus was a German actor. He lived. Uh, he was born in 1926. He died in 91. He's most famous for being the lead roles in Werner Herzog's five most famous films: uh, uh, Gary, Wrath of God, Nosferatu, Wojciech, Fitzcarraldo, Cobra Verde. He also had a small role in uh, A Few Dollars More, the famous spaghetti western. And uh, but he's remembered most for his volatile and violent behavior, both on and off set, and his uh, unhinged interviews, which uh, a lot of some of it's in German, and I will translate. But uh, let's let's get it going here with Klaus. This will work. In Italy, he appeared in many spaghetti westerns, earning quite a bit from them, even though his roles were pretty minor. Eventually, he was persuaded to come back to Germany in 1971 to perform the Jesus Christ Savior show in theaters. It was to be a 100-performance worldwide tour with much of the anticipation for Kinski coming from the reputation he cemented through his spoken word albums. The show would have Kinski recite his 30-page Jesus Christ Savior text that is a modern retelling of the Gospels where he recites them as if he himself was Jesus. It was Kinski's interpretation of the New Testament, but when performing in West Berlin on November 20th, 1971, things got out of hand quickly. The crowd was hostile, partially due to thinking that Kinski was proclaiming himself as a new messiah. With an audience of 3,000 to 5,000 people, Kinski spent much of his time ranting and cursing at the crowd. Jesus isn't named Kinski, comedian, caviar chewer, champagne guzzler, for 10 marks, you ought to give us more were just some of the insults from the audience. Kinski quickly dropped his Jesus act as he became an enemy of the theater hall after numerous violent interruptions. Dirty so, vermin, shut your traps. Those of you who don't belong to this rabble, throw the others out were just some of his rebuttals. He even had people come on stage and criticize him as he continued antagonizing the crowd. The show ended with chants of Kinski is a racist, followed by chaos that needed police intervention to stop the event. Yeah, so that's early in his career. <laughs> he does a take on the New Testament in Germany, and it goes over about as well as you'd expect. And then he, uh, later in life, he gets into a, uh, he takes up board with a woman and her young son. Her young 16-year-old son happens to be the uh, soon-to-be-famous Werner Herzog. Herzog's family was living in one room of a boarding house that Kinski also lived in. They were together in that house for three months. Apparently, Kinski filled his room with leaves up to his knees and had constant rampages. When the owner of the house ironed his shirts wrong, he went on one of these rampages, ripping doors off hinges and destroying furniture, even though he was being fed there for free. One memory Herzog remembers vividly was when during one of these tantrums, Kinski locked himself in the bathroom for two days and destroyed all the porcelain into pieces so small that Herzog claims you can sift through them with a tennis racket. Another of Herzog's memories was when a critic who saw Kinski in a small role of a play was over for dinner. The critic praised the actor for his performance, saying that he was outstanding and extraordinary. So Kinski thanked him for those kind words. Is what he would have done if he was normal. Instead, he threw two potatoes and whatever cutlery he had at the critic and exclaimed, I was not excellent. I was not extraordinary. I was monumental. I was apocal. <laughs> Dude, like I'm going to start carrying around two potatoes in one in each pocket at all times just for that I, occasion. I'm really liking him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is the German way. I know. He's great, isn't he? He's <laughs> he awesome. Is. Uh, so <laughs> any thoughts on this guy? You know? So well, he's like one man potato cannon. 
Isn't he the father of the incredibly pointy and hot Nastasia Kinski from uh, Return of the Catwoman? That's absolutely is. correct. I Mr. like Larry. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. like incredibly pointy. That's a great descriptor. She was. Ooh, she was. She, she's beautiful. And she also, uh, not many people know this, she had a relationship with Roman Polanski around the time that he got in trouble uh, diddling a 14-year-old. And she, at the time, was 15. And she loved him. Mm. Wow. Yeah. The 70s were a different time. Yeah. Uh, I know I shouldn't eat these, but they're for a limited time only. (laughs) (laughs) Got to work in my Martin Luther King Jr. drops where I can. Of course, of course. Uh, So my my favorite movie of of Herzog's, one of my favorites, has to be Fitzcarraldo. It's a great movie. It's about a rubber baron in the Andes trying to get a steamship over a hill so that he can make enough money in the rubber trade to start an opera in the jungle. Uh, fascinating movie. And they really did actually haul this, this steamer over a little hill in the Andes with the help of the native peoples. And uh, here's Klaus on set of that, uh, talking about his experience. You can't go anywhere. You can't go. You can't escape off this fucking stinking camp because you never know when they call you because you have to be here because you're paid for. You're in the contract, so you can't just go. It means you are completely captured here. Completely. You go from there to there and from there to there. That's all what you can do. So, of course, it's you. At least you have this view. Instead of of something else and feel, feel you're right in the jungle which is a good feeling you know. <laughs> so, in 30 <laughs> seconds he goes from cursing and saying it's shitty and then by the end he's like actually it's awesome here <laughs> he said you can feel it right in the what which is in the jungle in the jungle, jungle. Okay. you can feel it you're right in the jungle which is mm-hmm. a good feeling <laughs> after bitching about being in the jungle <laughs> I like this guy I really do Oh, you're gonna love him here. So this is my final bit here. So this is uh, this is him again on the set of Fitzcarraldo. They're in the jungle, and this is a uh, him screaming at one of the production managers because the food is shitty, and it's in German. So I'm going to translate it on the fly as best I can. Uh, let me know if you can hear this. One second. You won't tell me whether I can scream or not. You can lick my ass. I'm going to smack your face. You can count on it. I'll kick your ass if you mouth off to me. Come on. You want a piece of me, bitch? And then here's Herzog. He interjects. He goes, the quarrel here filmed is an aside with our production manager. Filmed betraf den verdienstvollen Produktionsleiter Walter Sachser. Zufälligerweise war ich einmal nicht He goes, by the rare chance he wasn't uh, actually yelling at me. He was yelling at our production manager. Why are you yelling? I don't give a shit about you jerking off with your friendship. Go on making your shit. <laughs> the cause was so trivial, I didn't bother to interfere. Pig slop is what it is. You want me to eat that, you fucking idiot? <laughs> the production manager says, you don't have to eat it. It's worse than a prison, you asshole. You want me to eat that? 
Then don't eat it. Starve for all I care, says the production manager. He's full of shit. He's a madman. Take this piece of shit away. He's mad. He's an idiot. Somebody needs to hit you in the face. You should be locked up. <laughs> I'm not finished with you yet, you stupid pig. Lucky. How could you let such an asshole run your production? Start behaving like a human being, Klaus. Come on, lick my ass, man. We're making a movie. And we'll put you in your place where you belong, you idiot. The native peoples, who solve their conflicts in a totally different manner, were confused by this screaming man. You're so stupid, you're not aware of the consequences. You're so fucking stupid, you don't care about anything. Nobody can live on this pig food. Then don't eat it. I'm leaving. Do you understand? I'm leaving. This is outrageous. And he keeps screaming at him for another minute and a half, and then... In the end, he's like, all right, I'm ready to do the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Action. Everything is better when Werner Herzog narrates it. Um, But as Serpent said in the chat, everything is also better when Lavish translates it. Oh, where'd you learn to speak German there, Lavish? That's very impressive. (laughs) Uh, From uh, the Internet. Oh, the Internet taught me. Okay. Internet taught you. Yeah. They they had the subtitles there. I I don't oh, speak right. German, but uh, you, you had me fooled. It sounded oh, well, like you were doing it real time. So you should have just run with that. <laughs> Good. I know a lot of German. Well, then oh, people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I was with a German once. She was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that was that was him screaming for five minutes at a production manager on the set of cool. Fitzcarraldo, which again is a great movie. You should see it. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out. I've never even heard of Klaus Kinski, but uh, now it's. Really? I think it's time to go down the rabbit hole. I, I'm, un- I'm an uncultured swan. Actually, I'm just so I'm just so not anti-Semitic that I don't pay attention to German culture, period. I think that's what it is. He's got such a crazy face. He really does. <laughs> and you come to think of it, like, is everybody named Klaus, like, nuts? Or you got Klaus Schwab, Klaus yep. von Bülow. It seems like Klaus is a... <laughs> Mark of a kook, huh? Uh, Santa yeah. Claus. Santa, yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Those, those wacky Germans, those wacky Clauses. Mm. Can't, you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that's him. And, and he is. He actually is a great actor, and he's a very interesting-looking person. And, and oh, yeah. He was in, great like, face. 200 movies or something, so he was a total vet. But... For the last half of his career, people were like, I don't want to work with this guy. And then every once in a while, someone would be like, I do. And then they go, good luck. So <laughs> good luck. A couple of the- <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it up a little later. He, he, he abused a lot of people, including his own children, mm. uh, sexually. So we'll, we'll get to that Ooh, okay. maybe a little later. Uh, so that's it for Klaus Kinski. All right. 
right. Shall we take to the polls? I think we should Pokemon Go to the polls. You know what you want? Uh, I don't know. I don't who know who created Pokemon Go. Go. I'm trying to figure but out. I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. All right, we got Just two minutes here, people. Cedar Rapids. <laughs> okay, here we go. Get over there and I'm vote the at lavish at boop at at, at lavish at boop, at lavish at mk.spook.social. Get over there and vote yeah. on those polls and call in because the phone lines are open and that number to call is 865-465-6271-865-465-6271. Hot yeah. dog. Get some elevator music Hot on while dog. we... Uh, yeah. There we go. Let's see. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. Good. Mm. Smoke them if you got them, boys. <laughs> All right, Ted Kennedy versus Klaus Kinski. Who's it going to be? Go ahead and give that number call 865-465-6271. Phone operators are standing by. I don't know who created Pokémon Go. Go to the polls. But I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. And the crowd goes wild. Uh, mm-hmm. How much time we got left there, Lavish? About a minute? We got 40 seconds. So it's almost time. All right, caller. If you're going to call in, you better do it now. Oh, my God. Getting down to the wire, people. Get in there and vote. Get in there and vote it up. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Battle of the douchebags. Battle of the dead douchebags, that is. Battle of the dead douchebags. The fantastic production you guys have going here. Glad to see you guys are all getting together for it. Hey, I'm just kind of conflicted about the this vote. You know, you got... I just you don't know hurry. which one's more of a douchebag. Well, I already did it on the okay. social, but... <laughs> okay. Man, like... Can I tell you why I'm torn now the vote's in? Yo, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure you better vote soon, because it's probably already over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, because, like, Klaus Kinski sounds really interesting to hear more clips of. But then, like, Kennedy is just such a total fucking dickhead, man. Like, <laughs> it's, a hard, it's hard to really pick these votes sometimes. And I'm glad yeah. that you guys get the right combination of contestants, you know? Well, it's it. What we do is we put it. I put it in the bracket, except for last time because we had a couples battle. So I did. I did rig the bracket. But every other time it's been as is this match. I put everybody in the bracket and I hit randomize until no person is facing themselves with their own two contestants in the first bracket. And whatever wherever it lands, that's what we do. Cool. All right, on man. It's a good formula. I like it. So. So who'd That's you end up picking with? Who, who'd you end up picking? Though? Oh, I went with I went with Kinski just to hear more funny clips of that guy freaking out. I mean, honestly, that's what I was thinking when I voted for him. <laughs> okay, I'm high. Well, thank you. Uh, well, thank well, you. I mean, caller. like I said, Kenny, douchebag, whatever. But I don't know, man. Just enjoying the show. You guys have a good night. We love you. I right. love you too. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to those final results here, shall we? Final results. Final results, Ted Kennedy wins with 15 votes out of 21. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, Ted Kennedy is a real real piece of work, so I understand. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's... Right, uh, and the cl- 
I'm noticing because it's a Thursday and not a Sunday, we got about half the typical amount of votes coming in. But I think that's because we always go Sundays. Well, we we more than halved the uh, the actual voting time. Itself. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that's hot on the. Also, I feel like uh, we'll probably get like significantly more votes once we have that like link that we can put out on multiple social media pages. Yeah, so people don't have to come straight yeah. to this. Yeah, we can put it out still. on Twitter and Discord and everything once we have that going. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be definitely. Get us I, more I just in. I just linked it to my uh, all my socials, my Facebook and my uh, Instagram, and uh, I just I it, it I probably won't gain any extra voters because they'd have to set up an account. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep, for sure. For the next one, we'll definitely get the straw poll or something else. Yeah, it's a work in progress here, people. But hey, you know who won? Uh, Ted Kennedy. That's right. Uh- <laughs> Tedward Kennedy is the yeah. winner. Uh, my playout Kinski clip will be this Herzog story of, again, Pescaraldo. We have a plane crash and only garbled messages in our camp. We didn't know exactly where was it, how many people. Can we. Was this a plane uh, that was coming to this film shoot? To our film, yeah. uh, to our set, uh, transporting extras. And um, I tried to make sense what it what yeah. it was in Kinski at that morning. We served uh, coffee uh, in all the huts, and his he was the last one because we uh, altered uh, the the line of who would be first or last. His coffee was lukewarm. He he just lost it over it, and he kept yelling and screaming for an hour and a half. Foam at his mouth. I mean, literally. I'm not exaggerating screaming at the top of his lung, that close to my face, that close. And I tried to explain, Klaus, there's a plane down. Klaus, was that Klaus? We need to understand what the radio, the garbled radio is transmitting to us. So, and finally, I couldn't get rid of him. I went to my hut. I had one little piece of chocolate, very good chocolate left, and I stood right in his face and ate the chocolate. <laughs> that was too much for him because chocolate was the most valuable item in the camp. Yes. What? And I ate my last piece of chocolate and he, he just fell silent and yes. through. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's That's, uh, yeah. Wow. Sometimes you need a can of bear mace and sometimes you just need to eat the last piece of chocolate while you look them in the eyes. That's right. The last piece of chocolate for 800 miles. Oh, God. Eat my ass, Klaus. Uh, That's funny, man. Uh, All right. Well, we're moving on to the next bracket, which will be the illustrious L. Ron Hubbard versus Janet Reno. That means L. Ron's up first. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So uh, we all know a lot about Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard, right? A lot. A decent amount. Oh, yeah. I mean, how, how much do you guys know about L. Ron Hubbard? Like, I saw the South Park life, episode. His, his childhood, his history. I saw the South Park episode. Uh, that does a pretty I'm good job. At least with his seafaring. His I don't know. He had a seafaring phase, which is really interesting. Yeah. I know how he sort it's, of it's formed his It's fucking empire. charming yeah. is what it is. Uh, <clears throat> well, so uh, L. Ron Hubbard and his childhood his uh teenage years his education his uh, life as a young adult was i i really don't know how to put it soft he was a failure in ever everything i mean just he failed 
at fucking high school at least three times. He failed at college at least twice. And then he failed in the Navy. And then he failed in his career as a uh, 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 a fiction writer, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. He is the most prolific fiction writer in all of history. No one has written more uh, fiction works aside from L. Ron Hubbard. Um, written more and sold less. <laughs> uh, let, let's go... For my first clip, we're going to do a, a, a little bit of a, a, a clip of his music because he tried a for, uh, foray into music, right? So he like I heard this, I could not find video of this, which would be excellent. And that's the one thing I will cap, like um, highlight all of all of my clips about is that uh, Hubbard is the definition of a douchebag. Everything he exudes <laughs> douchebaggery, yeah. but you to really get. Like the full picture, you gotta see him, man. Uh, first off, he's a ginger. Nothing against Ugh. gingers, but you know, <laughs> uh, he's balding, right? He's balding over the top, but he's still held onto his hair. So he's got very long hair around the sides of his head and the back of his head. His teeth are fucked up. His bottom teeth are in a complete straight. It's it's like a rectangle. His bottom jaw <laughs> is a rectangle. It's not circular at all. And you can hear it in his voice because he talks like this and it's caused by his teeth. I don't like the um, way his bottom lip sticks this, so far out and we, it looks weird. Yeah. It's gross. It's gross. Uh, now, when he was doing his music, he would set up about six keyboards around himself and play one chord. On, it was completely unnecessary. For every note in the song, he could have used one singular keyboard, but he had uh, between four and six keyboards around him so it would look more impressive. This guy is all flair. He's a peacock, man. Uh, I want you to play uh, Space Jazz. That's going to be the you have a clip. You have a clip, space, uh, space, and then a space, and then the word jazz, and you have Space Jazz one word. Which one would you like? One's a minute and one's thirty-seven uh, seconds. Let's let's go with the one. Let's go with the uh, the one that's a uh, uh, shorter amount of time. All right, thirty-seven seconds. What are they saying? We've in that? heard all we need to hear. What are they saying? It's in basically that? that Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Okay. Buck Rogers. Ugh. Apparently, it's it's the soundtrack to his uh, book Battlefield Earth, which was one of his bigger hits before he came out with Dianetics. Now, oh, um, that was a great movie, by the way, with John Travolta. So, yes, great movie, right? Now, wasn't he? Um, uh, I mean, he was a de- definite piece of shit, a con man, right? He lied about everything, and now, uh, but not only did he lie about everything, he also cheated on multiple wives. So he had, he was married to a woman named Margaret Grubb um, originally. And then eventually after a few years of marriage, when they had a child, he abandoned her and uh, traveled across the country and got married to another woman um, named um, Sarah Northrup uh, in California. At the same time, he didn't divorce his first wife. He just had, he was just married to two women. Um, And he also, that Sarah Northrup woman, he stole from a man who gave him help. This man's name was Jack Parsons. He was a student of Aleister Crowley. Okay, um, the father of rocketry. He was American charmed yes. and conned. JPL. Exactly. 
Exactly. And he was uh, charmed by um, L. Ron Hubbard's, uh, I guess, his eloquence and his uh, uh, knowledge of many subjects that Parsons found to be um, intriguing. He he sent a letter uh, to Aleister Crowley, um, which I don't have a clip of. I don't think. Actually, you know what? Yes, I do. He's uh, actually play Hubbard Steele's Parsons' wife. Um, he moves Hubbard into his house and then within a couple weeks Hubbard starts fucking his wife and Parsons is just cool with it Um, play (laughs) that clip there and he'll read off uh, some quotes from his letter to Aleister Crowley about L. Ron Hubbard follower of the infamous Aleister Crowley and member of the magical order Ordo Templi Orientis. Parsons let Hubbard stay with him in his Pasadena mansion, apparently only allowing a room to people who were atheist or of a bohemian disposition. In a hilarious twist, Hubbard began to be sexually involved with Parsons' 21-year-old girlfriend, Sarah Northrup. What's funnier is Parsons wrote to his mentor Crowley of Hubbard's arrival, stating, Hubbard is a gentleman. He has red hair, green eyes, is honest and intelligent, and we have become great friends. He moved in with me about two months ago, and although Betty and I are still friends, she has transferred her sexual affection to Ron. Although he has no formal training in magic, He has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. From some of his experiences, I deduced that he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence, possibly his guardian angel. He describes his angel as a beautiful winged woman with red hair, whom he calls the Empress. The Empress. Empress. Um, A lot of redheads. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, there's a, a common theme here. Um... So he got into that romantic association with Jack Parsons' wife. They were together for a few years. They got married. Um, I'm sorry, Jack Parsons' girlfriend. He got married to Jack Parsons' girlfriend while he was still married to his first wife. And then very soon after, uh, he apparently tortured, beat the fuck out of her, abused her, uh, abused her psychologically, drugged her food. Um, And uh, I want you to play this next clip, which is very short. It's called I Never Had a Second Wife. Uh, when he moved on to his next lover, he completely removed all memory of Sarah Northrup from his mind, or at least pretended to. Oops. Uh, there it is. This marriage lasted, and Mary Sue would become his devoted deputy. Sarah, his second wife, was cleared from his memory, just like an engram. What happened to your second wife? I never had a second wife. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he just, he, in, in an interview, a public interview, and he's been interviewed about Sarah Northrup before, he just completely ignores her existence, pretends that she hadn't, and then there's a follow-up clip to that, but it was just too short for me to really clip it, where he is, in that same interview, asked about his first wife, and he smiles, the biggest smile I've ever seen, and goes, well, she's dead now, <laughs> and uh, just as if there's no emotion whatsoever. Emotions um, of happiness. Okay, so, uh, within this, uh, so another another aspect of L. Ron Hubbard's uh, con man um, personality, he would uh, basically you would ask him a, a question, and he would never answer it straight. He would start on like a rabbit trail. He's like, "I'm gonna get to your question," but and by the end of his uh, uh, response. You're like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, none, none of it makes any sense. It doesn't add up whatsoever. I want you to play um, 
we have a body. This is him giving an analogy about the difference between body, mind, and spirit. But in your processing, you work on the mind, don't you? Well, yes. Uh, here, here's let let me let me give you let me give you an example here uh, of something of a sort. Let us say uh, here is uh, not a very good example. One, oh, here here's something. Here's something. Now we speak of a body. Here we speak of a body, and there is a body, and uh, now uh, there's an invisible thing somewhat invisible, but nevertheless containing mass and uh, space and energy, uh, electrical potential and so forth, which surrounds this, uh, which you call a mind. And in that mind is recorded every experience the person has ever had. Uh, they are recorded continuously and so on. And then uh, within all that, uh, centralized in all that, you have the, uh, the spirit. And it does not have mass, and it does not have a body, and so on. It, all it has is a being, a sense of identity, the ability to create, uh, the ability to uh, be. And that is the spirit. That is you. Uh, you ask somebody, what is a spirit? And uh, the fellow, you might as well ask, how are you? <laughs> you, get, you, get the same, you get the same response. So, but anyway, there is this mind and then there's a body. So actually a spirit is wearing a mind and it's wearing a body. And uh, when you audit or process a person, he then is able to confront this mind which hitherto has been totally invisible to him. And You're talking here about the unconscious mind. Well, yes, there's the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, all, any kind of mind is simply a composite of mass uh, which contains experience and pictures of experience and so forth. Traumatic experience, pleasant experience and so forth. This is a record of his experience. And uh, that is his mind. Man has an automobile accident. He has a picture of an automobile accident. He has all the sensations of having been hurt in the automobile accident. It takes him a long time to recover because he's still wearing the automobile accident. If you said, hey, why don't you take this automobile accident and throw it away? Why, all of a sudden he recovers from the automobile accident, naturally, because the thing is keeping it impressed upon him and his body is his mind. And so you do work You're talking like a song from the Lion King. Stop that. It makes no sense. <laughs> automobile accidents, automobile accident, automobile accidents, automobile accident. Um, now, uh, here's another clip of him. Now, he was, now, in this we're clip, at 11 he uh, basically the just, just... Oh, wait, no, no, we're over 10. Said, uh, we're over 10. Oh, we're already over 10. God damn. 11.30. We're coming up on 12 minutes. There. I got way better stuff. I got better stuff. But well, we'll wait. All right, we'll, 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 we'll pass. But, uh, but uh, damn, dude, that last clip. I haven't even scratched the surface. This guy is beyond a douchebag, man. If there's a higher level, he's he's that level. So, <laughs> well, that's uh, mm. damn Elrond. That was a good, compelling case. And then we're on to uh, do you have do you have one last like summarizing sentence maybe to to wrap up before we move on to Janet Reno? Or do you want to just leave um, it there? This, I mean, it's it's a you mean you want me to summarize, it or you mean last uh, summarizing sense of a clip? Because I have a clip of no, him no, we, basically saying that he proved that there's an afterlife, um, and then when he's questioned on it, he just says, "Uh, 
for about 20 <laughs> seconds. So, <laughs> um, I, I think you can, you can figure it out from there, from that. I don't need to play that for you. Yeah, we'll hit that. He's uh, he's the essential con man, and I believe the con man is the spiritual identity of a douchebag. I mean, ultimately, when it comes down yeah. to it, a con it's man is ultimately a douchebag. He's just <laughs> lying to you, and he's wanting you to trust him and place your faith in him so that he can take from you. I think that's ultimate douchebaggery. That's my case. Ready? Go! Janet Reno. Coming up. Come on down. Come on down. Janet All right. Reno. All right. Well, just as with uh, with Teddy, uh, what I've got for Janet um, really needs no, no other outside perspective on her douchebaggery. She is just like Teddy, self-convicting. So um, the first uh, the first <laughs> clip I have is uh, her being interviewed by the uh, departed uh, PBS uh, zombie Jim Lehrer. Who clearly doesn't really like her very much, but he lacks the balls to really, you know, indulge in any follow-up questions or hold her size fifteen feet to the fire. Um, but you can hear how, how it rolls out. Attorney General, welcome. Thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. How do you feel about the job you did as Attorney General of the United States? I'll let other people assess it. I just try to do my best and uh, make the best judgments I can. But do you feel that you did your, you did your best? You leave here... Uh, there are days where I thought, if I could have just spent a little bit more time on a certain issue, I might have handled it differently. But I think I've stop. worked with some stop. wonderful people, tried my best. Yo. yeah, I'm still <laughs> slow to the draw here. I had too many times. If there's... If, if she just if she just could have spent a little more time on some issue, there might not have been eighty five innocent people barbecued. <laughs> just that little that little issue, you know. Like maybe if if I wore buckled shoes instead of laces or something, or I don't know. But I mean, what a fucking asshole! Keep going, please. Handle it differently, but I think I've worked with some wonderful people, tried my best, and I feel comfortable. You leave here with your head high. Yes, sir. Yeah. Tried her best. Yeah. Lee's Lee's yeah. head held high. That's that's so good to go. Okay, next clip. Um it's just with Teddy. With the Teddy with those architects that built that piece of shit bridge that made his car go off the water and kill her drown that poor girl. Reno's got other people to blame for, you know, that uh, atrocity. You'll hear. What was your darkest day or what was your darkest time during well, these eight You years? were there. I was it was wake up. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you spent uh, a lot of time thinking about that. What went wrong? One, it's obvious what went wrong, Mm -hmm. but um, (laughs) one will never know what the right answer was because one doesn't know what Karish would have done two weeks later without any provocation. So there we go. Stop. Stop. So there we go. This is fucking 30 some odd years ago with this atrocity and it's doesn't it sound a lot like um hearing these assholes talk about ukraine now well if we don't stop it now we don't know what's going to happen down in the future yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's standard fucking playbook from these political fucking cockroaches which she was a very large cockroach um but always deflecting always dodging nothing's ever her fault however you can hear Clip three. Stop. I'll stop and say she was a she was a highly sexually conflicted alcoholic. That may have some bearing. I liked when Will Ferrell would play her on SNL. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. She actually appeared on that um, not long after, so just to, just to demonstrate how uh, how uh, emotionally broken up she was by uh, what happened. But really, what's what's at the essence of her her tenure, her regime was, um, like I said, she was highly sexually conv- uh, conflicted, and it all boils down to her saying whether it's David Koresh or the people who were involved in the Ilian Gonzalez uh, controversy, which you're about to hear, it, it boiled down to, I'm Big Jan, and my dick is bigger than yours. You don't fuck with me. <laughs> I tell you what to do. And that's what you're going to mm. hear in the next clip. Well, did, did you want me to go to clip three or continue? Because we're not even halfway through Oh, you can continue. Two. Yeah, we get a okay. little more left on That's Koresh. just the whole Clinton administration, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Koresh would have done two weeks later without any provocation. So we just have to learn. And one of the things that I think it's important to, to do is to make sure that the FBI, when it rather than inheriting situations, designs the initiative from the beginning. You uh, kind of burst out on the public scene as a result of Waco, as a result of your saying, I was responsible. I made the decision, and I will live with it. Is that how you feel about it now, too? I sure do. You do do feel you were responsible? I made the decision. And did you make the decision, do you think you made the wrong decision? I'll never know. It was clearly if I (laughs) I'll never know. (laughs) You'll never know. How's that for a fucking sociopath? You know, funerals on the family plan, but she'll never know she made the wrong decision. But the the other thing she pulls to, and this is very common in the current, in the 21st century American zeitgeist, is any fucking douchebag, whether it's this one, this dead one, or anybody that's that's Joey or Gavin Newsom. Now, if somebody says, well, I I take responsibility. I own that. Big fucking deal. That's not a free pass. That doesn't absolve you of your sins just because you said you own it. Fuck off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Know? Anyway, mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. let's go next to Elion. You uh, you got 14 seconds on this. You want to finish this one? Up? Oh shit! I guess fuck it. Uh, we will just let that ride then. So what anyway, I know now. Uh, Sorry, you know she was she was just an absolute so- sociopath, and she <laughs> she is self convicting with everything she says. Then what I know now, I wouldn't do it. But I don't know whether I could have avoided it down the line. There are those that have reviewed this case in depth and said he could have done the same thing two weeks later with people not bothering him at all. <laughs> Fuck off, lady. Could have been. Yeah. Maybe. Could have been anything. Yeah. Could have. Could have been two could've, seconds. Could've, who, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Just send those stormtroopers in there. So you, now you could have done a double backflip or something. You never know yeah. what you could have done. Now, Larry, you only have four Janet Reno reno clips in total so do you want to burn a third one now because then if she gets through then you're not then you're gonna be out of i know well how much how much time do i have left on my you have about four minutes left in this round let's do let's do uh let's do elion okay next yeah damn i could i could use those four minutes another uh (laughs) (laughs) another uh case a high visibility case more recent was the elion gonzalez uh matter where you uh, ordered him taken by force any second thoughts about that no why not because we tried our best for the longest time to negotiate a peaceful resolution of the matter and at each step we were thwarted by those that said no we will not turn the boy over to his father uh, finally I went down and tried my best only to be 
told via television after I had left that if you want the boy, you're going to have to take him by force. So when you look back on that, you don't look back with any regrets at all about at least your decision making, right? No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, Regrets are a waste of time. (laughs) From Big Jan, you know. Hell, you want force? I'll give you a force. (laughs) (laughs) What what a fucking monster. Wow. She does really look like Forrest Gump. Wow. I mean, she is, what a piece of work she was, really. So, Uh, Anything else on that uh, before we open the poll? I think uh, I think that's sort of a pretty good setup for um, for Big Jan. Yeah, Big Jan, Big Jan. It was probably Will Ferrell's best performance was Janet Reno. I gotta say, yes, he was good. Fucking that. busting through the wall like a fucking pro wrestler, <laughs> Reno time or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but she actually she actually did do a, a, an actual cameo. I think on uh, on SNL, SNL herself. Yeah, she's the original yeah, Shane Gillis. I think. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of looks like him, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's more svelte. Uh, all right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, here we go. Downbeat. So we'll get this this uh, poll rolling here. You got two minutes, as usual, everybody. And I'll be posting it right now. And get to those polls, people. I don't know who created Pokemon Go. 865-465-6271. But I'm trying to figure out. How we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. We have 20. How many calls is this? We have 20 something missed calls from the same number. Should I just call them back? <laughs> they called all <laughs> the back. They call, Let's call them back it. at 30. That's persistence. What do you mean at 30? That is. At 30 calls. Oh. <laughs> 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 they, they, they seemed like they really had something on their mind. It was like two votes ago, but. This one's a nail biter, right. well, boys. <laughs> really? Mm. This one's a close one, fellas. This is a close one. Phone's ringing off the wall. The closest one we've had so far today. Boy. So get in there and vote. Get in there and get your votes in. L. Ron Hubbard or Janet Reno? And those phone lines are still open. I, I, made, I wanted to make sure I hung up before I I will I say, if I do roll. win, I have a lot more material to go. <laughs> I, I say that all the time, too. Hey, vote for me. I do that. Vote hey. for me. I did too much work. Please. The, the, the Martin, the Martin Luther King yes, Jr. Race I did a ton of work for this. I, need, I needed to pay off, okay? Validation here. I'm, the Martin Luther King Jr. rape clips are coming, people. 30 uh, seconds. 30 seconds remain. Oh, 30 seconds. On the clock. Up in the corner. Here we go. Bam, bam, bam. Thank you, man. Woo! Hey, every time, right when the 30-second timer starts. What's going on, caller? You're on the air. Do you like in Janet caller. Reno or L. Ron Hubbard? I just want to comment. I am completely split, and I think that just speaks to the raw talent that is Larry and Noah coming to the table. God uh, damn, that's why we do Battle of the Douchebags. It's a split. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> a boneless rib sandwich. What that's why we do Battle of the Douchebags. <laughs> I know I shouldn't eat these, but they're for a limited time only. Final right. results. Is that the, I think that's the time, right? What's the that's results? That's it. That's final results with 23 oh, votes in. Elron got 15 of the votes. Whoa. It was close, though, for a bit. Elron. Elron that might be the biggest win of the night. It was the closest. Uh, it started off the closest, and then it became a, well, yeah, I guess it, that might be. It's been, comparable. 
They've yeah. all kind of been ultimately like that. Fifteen eight. It was neck and neck there for a minute. Though. Hey, let yeah. me have my win. <laughs> it was, it it was neck and neck. Don't, don't talk oh, shit. It was a good win. Oh, what do you mean you blew it away? It was neck and Wait, neck no, until about halfway no. through the time, and then I, I it was a blowout. All right, <laughs> all right, Noah, but you have to appreciate. Your, I mean, cl- dude, no, Noah, you have to appreciate your thing here. All right, ready? Soak this in. It's, it's going to feel good. Ready? Douchebag. Elron Hubbard progresses to round two. So I'm so far the only person that doesn't have a winner in the semifinals. So let's uh, we'll see what happens next. I think that's going to be a, oh play out clip. You got a play out so- clip. Yeah, I forgot. No, I, oh do the play out clip. Yeah, what do you uh, you want the concisive conf- the final clip? Yeah, the uh, MTV Reno a hero, right? No, 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 no. Fuck that. I just got a quick sidebar on Elron for you. Oh yeah. Um, very famous uh, screenwriter Harlan Ellison. And uh, mm-hmm. he he actually su- successfully sued Jim Cameron for stealing Terminator from him. You know, ballsy guy. And he's the best. He's, he swears that he was at a party in Hollywood one night with Elron, who had failed, as you said, at everything from music to <laughs> you name it. And he, Elron said, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a bogus religion. I'm going to get sick fucking rich. So there, that's what that's what Harlan said. That uh, and he did. No and he, he died did. with. Uh, he had six hundred million dollars in his bank account when he died. So yeah, he did it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So from dianetics. Well, you. I mean, we do always do a playout clip for the uh, the person that got eliminated, and you have one Reno oh, okay. clip left. Yeah, so sure, do it. Do, oh, the MTV thing to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. This gonna it's perfect. perfect. This will chap your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Reno proved how tough she was with her buck stops here statement taking full responsibility for the disastrous Waco, Texas assault by the FBI. The tragedy of Waco, as I've said, will live with me for, for the rest of my life. And it hurts when I think of it. I think that, that people should, should judge popularity on that. Um, Do you understand why you were a hero on that awful day? I think people desperately want people to to take responsibility, and I don't think any of us understood how much the American people want that to happen. So there you have it. What what hurts her most is the fact that people judge her popularity on it, not the body count. Jesus Christ. And again, she's presaging that the phrase that wasn't popular yet, I own this. Well, fuck why, you. Why was she doing? <laughs> why the fuck was she doing an interview on MTV anyway? Because because if anybody thinks, if anybody thinks for a second that this uh, this uh, leftist propaganda shit that we were besieged by from MSNBC and CNN and so forth is if that's a new development, it's not. This clip was from MTV, I think, in 1993, and they were all in, all in. On uh, Big Jan, you know, barbecuing a bunch of innocent people in Texas, and they called her a fucking hero. And the clip went on for much longer, uh, interviewing her staff members and so forth, how great she is, and she's so attentive, and she took care of business. She stepped up to the plate and did what needed to be done. I mean, holy (laughs) fuck. This has always been going on. This is not a new development in American media. Yeah, yeah I like a, how a bunch of people stepped up uh, during COVID and did what needed to be done. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. All right. Hey, Larry, I got to let you know, man, my wife just texted me and said you have a very sexy voice. So, <laughs> yeah, just heads up. Well, you know what? If I was L. Ron Hubbard, I'd say, well, I think she does, too. <laughs> or Ted Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> or Martin Luther King. Yeah. Or Martin Luther King. Yeah. Or Mother yeah. Teresa, probably. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, perfect. Will you, will you, will 
Please shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Reverend Doctor. Yeah. All right, up next we got All Michael right. Jackson right, who's, who's versus next? Henry Kissinger. Ooh, Michael Jacko. Jackson is up first. Is that right? Oh shit! That's oh, wait, right. wait, hang Come on, first? no, no, wait, hang on. Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. <laughs> What did he? What did he say? <laughs> Michael Jackson what? is not a genre of music. Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. Yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. coming in hot. There's oh, my, there's my Michael Jackson on here. Here's my MJ. Uh, <laughs> a boneless rib sandwich. Right, we can't. We can't um, start it. Start it yet. Here we go. Yeah, uh, the uh, hee-hee was my first clip here. A boneless rib sandwich. What will they think of next? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm on your... I'm on your so let uh, me clarify this by saying... What's up? I was just saying I got your clips pulled up. Okay, good. Um, so, <clears throat> I came into the research for this not knowing just about anything about Michael Jackson. I was raised in a very religious household where I didn't really... I wasn't up with what was going on with Michael Jackson when I was a child. So I came into this thinking that he was a pedophile. I came into this thinking, um, this guy is super fucked. I mean, visually, obviously all these different things. I didn't have, like, I wasn't part of the craze that w- that is Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. Phone call. That was my bad. I forgot to turn off. Um, it's a callback later. Call. You're good. Um, but obviously, he's the king of pop. Nobody compares to him. Um, why don't you go ahead and start off with ignoring Oprah? This is an Oprah interview where he does not give a fuck. I just sing and wait. And when you are, for instance, uh, when we were here before. You know what? I mean, all the things ever printed in the tabloid, the only things ever been true is when they said I couldn't dance. It doesn't when we were here seem the last time shooting the commercial, you were like, like in between shots, running off, like conceiving the dance, choreographing the dance. You were up all night dancing. And she didn't <laughs> yeah, Oprah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, there's a fine line between douchebag and badass. Let me say that. Um, Sometimes you cross the threshold. So he basically just sang completely over top of everything that uh, Oprah was saying. Um, I want you to play "All Hero. My Dreams Come True" next. Hang on a second. I'm looking for that. Do you have that one? Is it available? I wait, is there an alternate title it might be under? Oh wait, no, it's on this other. Hang on a second. I believe. Where the hell did I put that one? Hang on a second. I have two different folders, I think. Michael Shit. Jackson was a living instrument. We though. might need to add on. Pause the, pause the clock. A little extra, extra time for <laughs> this. Pause the for, clock. Yeah, pause the clock while he tries to find my clip, dude. That's not fair. <laughs> pause the clock. Clock. Pa- 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 oh, God. It's paused. Uh, what the fuck happened to that? I uh, Maybe I... I don't know. Hang on a second. Type... <laughs> Oh, oh, shit. Pa- pause time, everybody. I, gotta find that. I can only pause time so much. I've already, it's, I can't double pause it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just talking to the audience. Just pretend. You can't pause it more I'm than just once. Ta- I'm just talking to the audience, <laughs> hoping they'll pretend they're not hearing this right now. Just like pretend. <laughs> 
Okay, well, while, while we're waiting for you to find that one, can you at least uh, play the one where he's talking about sharing his bed with children and yeah. how <laughs> yeah, yeah, when yeah. he sleeps with children, it's non-sexual? Um, which which one would... Uh, there's like three of those. Hang on a second. Uh, the, the very first. Start at the beginning. When Gavin was there, he talked about the fact that he shares your bedroom. Yes. Can you understand why people would worry about that? Yes. Because they're ignorant. But is it really ignorant. appropriate for ignorant. a 44-year-old man to share a bedroom with a child who is not related to him at all. That's a beautiful thing. That's that's not a worrying thing? Why should it be worrying? Who's the criminal? Who's, who's Jack the Ripper in the room? Yikes. This is a guy trying to help heal a child. <laughs> heal that child, Mike. His Mikey. penis. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now play the next one. Let's just go on straight to the next the one. I ain't going to narrate them? this no. at all. Oh, sorry. Do you ever sleep in the bed with them? No. But I have slept in the bed with many children. I sleep in the bed with all of them. When Macaulay Culkin <laughs> were little, Kiri, Kieran Culkin would sleep on this side. Macaulay Culkin's on this side. His sister's in there. We're all just jamming the bed. And we'd wake up like dawn and go in the hot air balloon. You know, we would, we have the footage. We I have all that footage. But is that right, Michael? It's very right. It's very loving. That's what the world needs now. More love, more the world. More, the world needs a heart. the world needs a man who's forty four sleeping no, in a you're bed with it, children. No, no, you're making it all wrong. Well, well, you're making it because what's wrong with sharing a love? You, you don't sleep with uh, your kids or some other kid who needs love who didn't have a no, good childhood. No, I don't. I would never no, dream of sleeping. I would. I would, I would never dream. You've never been where I've been mentally. What innocent. do you think people would say if I in children's said, well, I've invited some of my daughter's friends round or my son's friends round and they're going to sleep in the bed with me tonight. That's fine. What do you think their parents would say? If they're wacky, they would say, you can't. But if you're <laughs> close family, like your family, you know them well. and, um, and wow. uh, Michael, I wouldn't like my children to sleep in anybody else's bed. Well, I wouldn't mind if I knew the person well and I, like if, I'm very close to Barry Gibb. Paris and Prince can stay with him anytime. My children sleep with other people all the time. And you're happy with that? Fine with it. They're honest. They're sweet people. They're not Jack the Ripper. I suppose the problem for many people is what happened in 1993 or what didn't happen. What didn't happen. Just cast your mind back. What was that like when you first heard the allegations that were being made against you? It was shocking, and I'm not allowed to talk about this by way of law. Oh, that's, that's never a good sign. By way of law. By way of law. Yeah, it's not a good sign when you're not allowed to talk about by way of law. He's not know? doing a great job of um, uh, okay, defending so, himself here. Um, do you want to hit that third clip? By the way, I did find the I don't think one. he cares to. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> it you doesn't did, sound like you found it. All, all my dreams come true? It was, uh, it was most of my dreams come true. That's why I was looking in the A's instead of the M's. So I found it. Ah, uh, okay. Play that. Do you want to hit Play the allegations, uh, the bed thing, or do you want to go straight to the? Let's just go straight to it. I got too many. Most clips. of my dreams. I got way to... too many MJ clips. I've got so many. Most of my dreams seem to come true, and I'm so thankful that they do. Um, I don't know over what period of time, but I, I have lots of dreams, and they usually come true, and I'm so glad. It's <laughs> so glad too. Everything I want, I get. Basically. Um, okay. Now uh, let's move on to um, Michael believing in the Force. Oh yeah. Uh, 
I let things create themselves. I let things create themselves. So ba- that, that's a common theme throughout his music is that he claims to be a, basically a, ch- a channeler. He doesn't claim to have come up with any of his songs. He claims that they are. Ch- he channels them essentially, mm. um, like they're a spirit. Um, now, I mean, the so there's a lot of a lot of. Let's do let's let's do a little supercut of all the ch- the times he said the word children. So go back to the the same clip, uh, the same interview from where he said all my dreams come true. Let's go to I love all the children. Children. Uh, is it start with the word I? Because I don't have that. Twelve fifty eight. What? I don't have a clip that starts with the. I don't. Start, I, I don't I was, have. A I was giving. I was giving you a timestamp. I guess. I guess you didn't have that one. Okay. Somehow that one didn't get across. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's do. You might have named it something different. I don't know, but I don't see anything that starts with "I love all the children." I might me. have. Let's do. When I see children, I see the face of God. Let's do that one. <laughs> you ha- I, new face you, of God. Uh, you need. Can you look at your? Can you look at the names that you named the clips so that I can? Because I can't. I, these aren't clips that I that you gave me. That's what I sent. I sent. I sent that to you through retransfer. None of them. Can start we pause with the clock? Like while we're <laughs> trying to clock. find the clips, the clock. this is a, a waste of time. <laughs> so, okay. Stop so the clock, man. The last. Like, the la- take it back a minute. Alphabetically, Noah. <laughs> alphabetically, the last letter in the alphabet that any of your clips start with for Michael Jackson is the letter M. Those are the ones you sent me. There's nothing that starts with W mm. or anything like that. Because you named these. I didn't, I didn't name these. So I need a better cue. What? Ah, fuck. Did I send you fuck? Gotta Be the Doctor? Yep, I got that one. You want to do that? Just play that. That's fun. Stupid ass play a Michael fun Jackson. <laughs> That's a fun, that is a fun one. Stupid ass Michael Jackson. Make us come all the way out here because you can't admit he's dead. No, that's ignorant. You're being ignorant. <laughs> ignorant. Damn, you see? We told you, dude, you're dead. No, people are just ignorant. Dude, there's your butt fucking grave right there. No, that's just my family pre-purchased a mausoleum for me. There's nobody buried in it. Yes, dude, your body is in there. No, no, I just have a skin condition. Come on, let's play. Let's go climb a tree. Gotta be doctor. Shemona, Shemona. Gotta be the doctor. Gotta be Dean Ho. <laughs> oh my god i mean yeah so i mean uh, you know how much more time do i have left uh you got two minutes okay perfect um okay so uh after all of my research i mean i, I mean i'm talking about like I started off thinking this dude's definitely a pedophile. Then I started getting into his psychology. I got into the abuse that Joe Jackson, the fucking dude, Joe Jackson tormented his children. Like, I mean, he was fucked from the start. This guy's been stuck in a childhood state since he, since he was young. So, uh, I want to, I want you to play, uh, Dave Chappelle, um, talking about not the first clip, the second one, 37 seconds to four fourteen. Um, obviously we won't be able to play all of it, but, uh, it's going to be, uh, kind of talks about th- this is where I've ended up. I mean, he's definitely still a douchebag, but I'm not sure that he's a rapist. So play that. 
really nasty shit. I don't want to know all these things. Turns out, uh, Michael Jackson allegedly likes a long gander at the anus. So they said he stares at people's buttholes. That's what they said. That's how gross the documentary was. I'm going to say something that I'm not allowed to say. But I got to be real. Uh, I don't believe these motherfuckers. I do not believe them. But let me qualify the statement. I, I am what's known on the streets as a victim blamer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody come up to me like, Dave. Dave, Chris Brown just beat up Rihanna. I'll be like, well, what did she do? <laughs> Dave, Michael Jackson was molesting children. Well, what were those kids wearing at the time? <laughs> I don't think he did it. But you know what? Even if he did do it, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, it's Michael Jackson. I know more than half the people in this room have been molested in their lives. But it wasn't no goddamn Michael Jackson, was it? <laughs> uh, that's good. Is that, do we got more time or is that? Oh, man. We're at 11 oh, minutes now. Yeah, yeah. Probably, call it. yeah, we don't. But I do want to quote him at the very end of that. He d- he goes on to say, he's like, Macaulay Culkin said that Michael Jackson never molested him. And he's like, I believe that because I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> but if I was, <laughs> Macaulay Culkin would be the first kid I fucked. <laughs> like, you know, facts. That's facts. pretty on point, I feel like. Yeah. The more touched, that you, came you, from, you were never you touched by someone who made Thriller. Oh, yeah. That would have been a thrilling experience. Exactly. Well, that brings us to our last douche of the night. Uh, The one, the only, Henry Kissinger. I I don't know what you guys know about this guy. I know a lot more about this guy than I did a couple weeks ago. But before a couple weeks ago, I still knew I didn't like this guy. And uh, (laughs) we're just going to start. This is the last major interview he did. I believe it was on Politico before his death. He was 100 years old. And he was asked what the happiest moment of his childhood was, or happiest memories. What, what was the, the happiest moment of your childhood that you remember? I was uh, eight years old when Hitler came to power. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> that, is, that is his no shit immediate response. Now, to be fair to Henry, let's hear the full context of what he says here. What what was the the happiest moment of your childhood that you remember? I was uh, eight years old when Hitler came to power, and so before he came to power, I lived a satisfied and it didn't life in high points of happiness. At family occasions, or at Martin Spielfeld riding on foot. 
All right, it's time for everyone's favorite game show. What the fly and fuck did Henry Kissinger say right there? Let's rewind the tape, shall we? That's, uh, let's, here we go. What was that? Anybody got a guess? <laughs> for $10,000, what did Henry Kissinger say there? One more time. I think I heard the word sporadical. <laughs> I don't know. I okay, so the, the I did uh, beat, fuck, my fanatical fanatical. Okay. beat my fanatical foot. my fanatical foot. The the YouTube uh, closed captions couldn't make heads or tails of it either. So who the fuck knows? <laughs> but there's a lot of that in this interview. Um, but we'll just we'll just move on along here. Um, let's see. Yeah, here we go. This is this is still talking about his childhood here. I sort of took it for granted that Hitler used boys who could beat us up on the street and that there would be signs that Jews are Juden unwünscht. Uh, I didn't, I can't say I liked it, but <laughs> I didn't suffer from it the oh. way my parents did. A little bit of a Soros vibe there, right? He's like, I can't say that I liked it, but uh, my mm. parents didn't really say I didn't it. hate it either. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Pretty cool, actually. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it was actually kind of cool. Going back to his 100th uh, year birthday interview or whatever the fuck on Politico, he's asked, the interview asked him, is it fair to say that you dedicated your life to freedom? Is it fair to say that you since then dedicated your life to freedom? I have dedicated my life <laughs> to freedom in the sense of order and stability Wait. and to encourage societies to develop in that atmosphere. Uh into the what? atmosphere? <laughs> yeah, I don't die. This guy is a. Did he? Uh, did he slip into a coma at the end of this uh, interview? Or <laughs> I, I, <laughs> what? Dude, I, I took a screenshot of this interview. I showed it to Noah. The dude is like his his head is coming out of the center of his chest in this chair. Mm. He's. I mean, I know part of it's his, <laughs> his jacket, like the cuff, whatever those things are called on the jacket that go on your shoulders. Mm. Is like way too high, but it looks. He looks like fucking Mermaid Man from Spongebob, bro. I don't know what is happening. <laughs> I think the contemporary German, Germany could lead a decisive, could have a decisive role in the construction of the new order. Oh, no, no. And the new order is necessary because what was built after the war was impressive and important, but it made Germany from an, a state with no power of decision. I'm going to cut it there because it's another minute or so, but he goes on about how Germany is the future of the new world order and they should be taking on a leadership role and it's not fair that they get judged by the mistakes of the 1940s. By the last so time we had they tried to, to be a defining force in the new world order? <laughs> yeah. mm. It's kind of weird. A brother of Soros. Wow. Yeah. How, how am I doing on time? I make some decisions. You got, you got five minutes. You're good. All right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and 
go to uh, uh, our good old buddy, uh, the doctor. I call him the doctor, Dr. David Rockefeller on C-SPAN 2, talking about his meeting of Henry Kissinger and how he recruited him. You mentioned uh, David um, Henry Kissinger, and I think he first uh, was noticed by the Rockefeller family after he um, wrote a, um, a very erudite work on uh, nuclear weapons and nuclear war back in the late 1950s. Nuclear Wilson's in foreign policy. Right. Yes. It was then published, and uh, from that time on, he became pretty close to the Rockefeller family. Well, he did. Um, actually, I guess I was the first one who got to know him because... Uh, he was a member of an organization called the Council on Foreign Relations in New York, and there was a, a study group at that time that he, as then a uh, young instructor at Harvard, uh, presided at. I was so impressed by him that uh, I introduced him to my brother Nelson, who was then governor in New York, and was then considering... Uh, seeking the presidency of the United States. They became great friends, and actually uh, Henry was, became Nelson's foreign policy advisor as long as... Yeah, so he, yeah, David Rockefeller loves Kissinger, but and Kissinger uh, is very close, closely tied to the Rockefeller family. Uh, He's such an impressive talker, right? He's such right, a yeah. dazzling personality. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, as I, I won't have time to get the clip, but if you listen to P- this Pierce Morgan interview, uh, he interviews this guy who wrote the biography on David Rockefeller. And, and you know why the people hate Henry Kissinger? It's And why they lie about him being a war criminal? Because he's not a war criminal. But the, the reason they hate Henry Kissinger, can you guess? Anybody? No. Why? Uh, because they're all anti-Semites, whether they know it or not. It, anybody why? that doesn't like Henry Kissinger, they're consciously or unconsciously an anti-Semite. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, clearly, and and then uh, right here, like our good buddy, I think you brought him up earlier, Larry. He uh, he had a real uh, old Klaus Schwab man. He loved him some kiss. Let me go back to the time you said when you came here, it transformed your life. Was there a course, a professor who really made that difference for you? Yes, uh, there was um, one course, one seminar of um, Henry Kissinger, um, which really opened my eyes. I wasn't accepted to the seminar, but I sat in. I think he let me in because I was German. And uh, <laughs> and it was relatively shortly after the war. There were not too many Germans here. And uh, this created a friendship which has um, uh, endured until today. And, uh, you know, uh, Henry has been several times in in Davos. Um, And I think it was mainly uh, participating in his seminars that I developed my interest for geopolitical affairs. (laughs) There you go. I think I'll leave it there. Klaus Schwab, uh, if it wasn't for Henry Kissinger... We would never have been blessed with Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Hey, you guys are like the conspiracy kings, right? Mm. So I keep seeing this <laughs> meme everywhere of Klaus on a beach in white lingerie. Is that a Photoshop thing or is that it? No, that's real. That's he real. was in Saint Tropez uh, on wow. the beach when he, when he took that. That's, wow. that's good stuff. I'm glad you saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not have seen it. I'd like to unsee that, really, but. Uh, wow. I, I remember okay. showing my co-host that for the first time, Booberry, and he he was also incredulous as to its legitimacy. But uh, <laughs> from what I can tell, it's real.
That's crazy. Wow. I haven't seen that. Please don't send that to me. Don't DM that to me, people. I'll send it to you right away. <laughs> definitely send it. I'm, in fact, uh, I'm going to send that to you every fucking day for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, just yeah. because. Whenever I'm having a bad day, I just yeah. look at that Boom. picture. <laughs> I think, oh, my God. Uh, my life could be so much more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm ready for the polls if, if y'all are. Michael Jackson All versus right. Cla- or not Klaus Schwab. I said Klaus Schwab. Henry Kissinger. Henry. Henry, Henry Kissinger, uh, right? We're gonna we go. go to the polls. Oh we yeah, go, I, uh, and I advise the audience to vote for entertainment value, not who is the bigger douchebag. I know that's <laughs> I don't the, know that antithetical to the show. Pokemon Go. Well, uh, I'm, trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. That number it keeps calling me. All right, here we go. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Battle the douchebag. Battle the dead douchebags. Caller. You had a bad day. Here's Klaus Schwab in your DM. Enjoy <laughs> that fucking image. <laughs> you had a bad day. Why is that so funny what that guy said? I don't know. It just His delivery was great. Enjoy that fucking image. Klaus Schwab in my DMs. No, 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 no. No, don't send that to me, people. Send it to me. <laughs> I'm sending it. Oh, I'm sending it. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, caller, we have another call coming in. I got to take it. Hello, caller. You're on the air. It's been a long time coming for you. I know. 40 calls later. You made it on the air. What do you have to say to the people? Caller. Hello, everyone. Come again. Caller. I said, this is the color caller. Probably one of your uh, one of your black callers. I just wanted to vote for Michael Jackson. You want to vote for Michael Jackson? Yeah. Okay. Thirty seconds to vote. Add oh, one vote to the Michael Jackson vote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, adding one vote to Michael Jackson. <laughs> you better get on there and vote, people. Uh, thirty seconds on the clock. Open the corner. Bang. Caller, can you? Uh, Oh God! Your shoe phone's your shoe phone is not working very well, caller. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on the Obama get phone. That reference? You're on the Obama phone. <laughs> yeah, that's why. You're on the Obama phone. He gave us a phone. <laughs> Anything else, caller? <laughs> we love you. All right. What are these final results? Final results. Thank you, caller. Call final back. results are in. Uh, 23 voters came in and all, and Henry Kissinger got 18 of those votes. Boom, boom, boom. Henry well, Kissinger proceeds into round two. I'll take the win, match. but I'm going to be honest, it was not that, a fair that's matchup. Probably, that's, the biggest, uh, that's the biggest divide between the votes so far. Yeah, I was, I, I'll be honest. I'm happy about the win, but it was not a fair matchup. That was not an even contest. <laughs> Michael Jackson I mean, is too you know, I, I, I picked Michael Jackson not knowing anything about him, and by the end of my research, I love Michael Jackson. I'm pretty sure he's not a pedophile, and even if he was, it's okay. I, okay, uh, well, so, welcome to the club. Uh, so you still got playout clip. You still got more votes here. than James Brown did, though. But yeah, hit a playout clip. Yes, that's cool. true. Cool. Um, yeah, James okay, Brown so had an impressive zero here. votes. I already, I already played. I already played most of the long Dave Chappelle clip here, so. I think we're going to do Russell Crowe. Do the Russell Crowe clip. I'm assuming that's MJ prank call. 
Yep. Jason's ability to disguise his voice and play around creating characters is confirmed by those who knew him personally, with several famous faces being fooled by the King of Pop's lifelong love of prank calling those that he knew. Russell Crowe, what was the, the thing with Michael Jackson? This is such an odd story. What? Oh, he just got into the habit of um, wherever I was staying, he'd just call the hotel and ask for my room and put on funny voices. And I actually, I, yeah, I know, I, I didn't, I'd never met him, you know. <laughs> he would always start off being kind of gruff like he was the hotel management and there was some kind of problem, you know. Well, I'd say that's less surprising than saying you're Michael Jackson. But, you know, and then, then if I got kind of irritated, he'd go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> are you actually It's only Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that's wacky bro that's funny dude my dude i've got so many good clips that i'm so mad this guy didn't uh, win i've got so I many good miss clips. this guy i miss michael jackson well you should be if you love michael <laughs> jackson worry, now Noah, you should be it's happy only michael you should be happy he didn't win if you like him because yes, like, you want the yes. shittiest guy to win <laughs> i truly he's not, he honestly he's not a douchebag he didn't deserve that win he didn't deserve. He's not really a douchebag. He's honestly the most pure celebrity of that level of fame that I've ever heard of in my entire life. I mean, the Beatles would have been a be- better pick. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, John Lennon's sure. way more of a piece of shit than than Michael Jackson. Yeah, John Lennon's almost MLK yeah. level of wife beating. Um. Well, all right, we gotta. We're running. We are running short on time, so let's get to this uh, semifinals and get this show on the all road. Right. Round two, Round semifinals. Two semifinals. Uh oh. Uh, can't do it. Can't do it. Take it. Can't do it. No, I can't do it. I, I hung up. Sorry. It's oh. it, it's you, you got to call during the votes. Not enough time. Not enough time. We're we got thirty minutes time. to try to wrap the show, and we're not going to make it. So I mean, you are only giving them two minutes, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just yeah, it is. It's a Thursday. We got to do what we got to do. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick it off uh, the semis. So I think it's what is it? It's uh, Jan- uh, sorry, Mother Teresa versus Ted Kennedy. All right. So that'd be Mother Teresa like first. Ooh. Mother Tia first. So let me kick it off with uh, this clip right here. No one has captured the public imagination like Teresa of Calcutta. I'm not being facetious, and I'm certainly making no comparison when I say that no woman has made such an impact here since Our Lady herself appeared in 1879. So how did this auction of hyperbole and credulity get started? In that year of grace, 1969, the scrupulously neutral and objective British Broadcasting Corporation permitted that old fraud and mountebank Malcolm Muggeridge to pay a devotional visit to the Calcutta Shrine. When after I met you in London, really the only thing I wanted to do was to come and see you in your work here. Now I've seen it. And of course, it's a, it's a shining light himself arrogant almost to the point of humility Muggeridge became persuaded that he and his team had become the divinely appointed instruments of what he claimed was the first television miracle during uh, something beautiful from God we there was an episode where we um, were taken to uh, a building that Mother Teresa called the house of the dying and Peter Schaefer the director said uh, well we, it's very dark in here do you think we can get anything and we had just taken delivery at the BBC of some new film made by Kodak, 
which we hadn't had time to test before we left. So I said to Peter, well, let's have a go. So we shot it. And when we got back several weeks later, a month or two later, we're sitting in the, in the Rushes Theatre at Ealing Studios, and eventually up came the shots of the House of the Dying. And it was surprising. You could see every detail. And I said, that's amazing. That's extraordinary. And I was going to go on to say, you know, three cheers for Kodak. I didn't get a chance to say that, though, because Malcolm, sitting in the front row, spun round and said, it's divine light. It's Mother Teresa. You'll find that it's divine light, old boy. Divine light, old boy. And three or four days later, I found I was being phoned by journalists from London newspapers who were saying things like, we hear you've just come back from India with Malcolm Mudridge and you were the witness of a miracle. And a star was born. This profane marriage between tawdry media hype and medieval superstition gave birth to an icon which few have since had the poor taste to question. <laughs> it's like... Uh... You're actually seeing a living saint. Give a man a reputation as an early riser, said Mark Twain, and that man can sleep till noon. Yeah, so that's how the, the, the story started about Mother Teresa, the international story. Is the BBC went in there to film her. They used some experimental new film. They came back. They played the film. The film was very clear. And somebody was like, it's a miracle. <laughs> Wow. It worked. And you said, and wor- you did say she got shoehorned into being an official saint, right? Did I hear that right earlier? That's right. That's crazy. The the criteria for becoming a saint is uh is is two miracles. You have to perform two miracles. And they basically like made up a, they basically said, "Well, somebody she treated recovered from their cancer, from their terminal mm-hmm. cancer." It was a miracle. As a matter of fact, I've got a sainthood clip right here. Modesty, simplicity, humility. By these canonical keywords, we are taught that we may recognize saints. Yet Mother Teresa regards herself as mandated by heaven, which is hardly modest. She lends spiritual solace to dictators and to wealthy exploiters, which is scarcely the essence of simplicity. And she preaches surrender and prostration to the poor, which a truly humble person would barely have the nerve to do. When she speaks about private or public morality, opposing family planning, for example, or defining abortion as quite literally the greatest threat to world peace, she takes on the grim and tedious tones of the zealot and the fanatic. In a godless and cynical age, it may be inevitable that people will seek to praise the self-effacing, the altruistic, and the pure in heart. But only a complete collapse of our critical faculties can explain the illusion that such a person is manifested in the shape of a demagogue, an obscurantist, and a servant of earthly powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll give one example of a particular uh, uh, a Haitian dictator, a Haitian military junta, shout out to junta, that, uh, that she personally endorsed in her days. Like most people who claim to be apolitical, Mother Teresa is in practice and in theory an ally of the status quo. And when the status quo is threatened, a trusted ally of the conservative forces. This places her in bold contrast to those, even among the religious, who have rejected the fatalistic and submissive conclusions about poverty 
that are promulgated by Catholic traditionalists like her. With our hands, with our life, with our love, we ask justice, we ask freedom, and we take justice. Because the justice is not like a gift which they gave. No. Liberty, freedom, they don't give that. We have to take that. And in fact, we go through the streets and we took our liberty, we took our freedom asking for justice. The Roman Catholic hierarchy has never forgiven Father Aristide, the legally elected president of Haiti, whom it regards as a base heretic. For his efforts to chase the moneylenders from the temple, he was banished from his order and forbidden to serve mass. To the very last, the Vatican was the only foreign power to recognize the military junta that misruled Haiti. And the ground for this, too, was prepared by Mother Teresa. In 1980, she visited the island and accepted the Haitian Legion of Honor Award from Baby Doc Duvalier. She found much to praise in his corrupt, dynastic regime, telling astonished reporters that she had, quote, never seen the poor people being so familiar with their head of state as they were with the Duvaliers. It was a beautiful lesson for me, she simpered. I've learned something from it. The Haitian people, indeed, could not wait to get close to the Duvaliers, who in their turn moved forever to the French Riviera. Yeah, uh, so she endorses the Duvaliers. If you're not familiar, there was Baby Doc and Papa Doc Duvalier. Mm -hmm. That were the uh, the di the dictators of Haiti from the fifties into the nineties. They they ro they ruled with uh, an iron fist, and one guy who was legally elected was uh, ousted, and 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 they were they were put to the side. Uh, so she endorsed this sort of like genocidal political group in Haiti. Yeah. Papa Doc Duvalier was a practicing uh, voodoo guy, and he laid claim to saying that all of the uh, Misfortune that befell the Kennedy, the Kennedys was a result of a curse he put on them. So there. Yeah, very well. Haitian <laughs> voodoo is, is a hell of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, uh, but of course, voodoo is just uh, an amalgamation of Catholicism, classic Catholicism, and uh, African, uh, uh, I don't know, spirit worship or something, I guess is what and, you call And it. Mattel dolls. Yep, yep, and Mattel dolls. Shout out to Mattel. Uh, we got, let's see, a couple more clips here to round her off for this round. Uh, let's see. It's Oh, uh, there was a, oh, it'll just tell you right here. In 1984, a ghastly chemical spill from the Union Carbide plant in the Indian town of Bhopal took 2,500 lives and poisoned thousands more. This was an act not of God, but of a negligent multinational corporation. Mother Teresa's advice to the angry victims? Forgive. 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 What Mother Teresa has done is she has accepted implicitly the idea that there's nothing much you can do for the poor except take them off the streets and, you know, look after them. You cannot change their attitudes. You cannot make them feel that they have an ability, they may even have the means to improve and change their lives. Yeah. Uh, you're poor, just be poor. This is your role in the world as the very poor. 
Uh, you have hello. <laughs> Sound like you had a man down there. Everybody okay? Really? Man down. Man down. No, you okay? All right. Okay. I'll just keep going. So yeah, that's her saying. Well, don't don't mind this chemical spill. Just forgive everything. Uh, you know that's what that's what Christ would do, right? And then I'll the gathering gloom. <laughs> close with this one here. Mother Teresa admires the strength of the powerful almost as highly as she recommends the resignation of the poor. When she visited her motherland of Albania, she appeared to take seriously St. Paul's notorious assertion that the powers that be are ordained of God. The Albanian authorities had proclaimed the world's first officially atheist state. They had persecuted all forms of worship except that of their leader, Enver Hoxha. No whit abashed, Mother Teresa laid a bouquet on Hodge's tomb. Not content with honoring a Stalinist murderer and despot, she also bestowed a wreath on the Monument of Greater Albania, a cause that was once smiled upon by Pope Pius IX and his friend, Benito Mussolini. Albania is, for secular reasons, quite rich in orphans. So there was ample scope for an orphanage specialist to praise the institutions of the regime while keeping silent about its victims. <laughs> yeah, Albania's got plenty of orphans to take care of, thankfully for her. And that's what she does. She takes care of orphans. Oh, yeah, she takes care of them all right. Mm. Take care of them all right. Yeah. I don't, it was a Madville for, for <laughs> cancer. <laughs> oh, Dirty man. needles. I'm learning a lot. I, had never, I knew bits. nothing about Mother T. I was I'm yeah. I came in blind. Well, in the land of the blind, yeah, Mama T is great. She's uh she's she's quite a winner. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's that's it for my Mama T for for this round. Which leads us next to I believe Ted Kennedy. Old Teddy's back. Teddy, we've got him. Uh <laughs> let's see. Why don't we uh let's let's tee up uh uh Teddy Five. How about that one? We'll skip. Okay. Skip four. four. In case we need it. Yeah. All right. Let's go to f- Teddy Five. Pity for me. All kinds of scrambled thoughts, all of them confused, went through my mind during this period. Sorry. This is just to confirm. Yeah. This is still the same uh, public apology or this, public. This statement. is the same. This is the same uh, uh, national broadcast on ABC okay. of uh, of uh, Teddy explaining the situation. <laughs> all right. All kinds of scrambled thoughts. Yeah, what he's doing is, you know, the the car, you know, went off the end of the drink and Chappaquiddick and, you know, he claims that he had a concussion and he was all fucked up and he wasn't thinking straight. So anyway, but it's so funny how he just uh, exonerates himself with what he says. So roll it. All of them confused went through my mind during this period. They were reflected in the various inexplicable, inconsistent, and inconclusive things I said and did, including such questions as whether the girl might still be alive somewhere out of that immediate area, whether some awful curse did actually hang over all the Kennedys, whether there was some justifiable reason for me to doubt what had happened and to delay my report. whether somehow the awful weight of this incredible incident might in some way pass from my shoulders. 
There you go. So again, Teddy's only worried about Teddy. Never mind the dead girl. You know, how's this going to affect my political career? Uh, how am I going to get this, the weight of this incredible, and you bet your ass it was incredible, situation off my shoulders? Fucking poor Teddy, man. He's just <laughs> such an unlucky guy. You know? uh-huh. So anyway, when, when, when the first thing, when, he, when the car went down and he claimed that he was exhausted, Right. Remember, he said that in an earlier clip. He confused multiple tries to to free her from that uh, sunken car. He just, you know, his lungs were filled with water. He almost drowned. He almost died. And he lay in an embankment until he re- revived himself. Then he, then he walked back to get his his buddies um, to to help him extract her. But instead of calling the cops, um, so now he's got his two buddies have have driven him from the side of the uh, the uh, the drowning to the ferry. Right uh, where they, they could return him to his hotel room, and suddenly Teddy gets this incredible. He must have been a fucking triathlete. Listen to what he does. Uh, it's clip six. Clip six. I'm sorry. Instructing Gargan and Markham not to alarm Mary Joe's friends that night. Stop. stop. I had them take me to stop. the ferry. Cro- stop. He's referring to his two buddies who were back at the party at the barbecue, and he instructed them not to alarm Mary Jo's parents that night. In other words, don't tell anybody because we don't want the fucking cops in on this until they get the story straight, right? Mm. So, so now, now they're at the ferry boat, but Teddy's still feeling kind of uh, groggy from his from his venture, and you'll hear what he does next. Instructing Gargan and Markham not to alarm. Mary Joe's friends that night. I had them take me to the ferry crossing. The ferry having shut down for the night, I suddenly jumped into the water and impulsively swam across, nearly drowning once again in the effort and returned. Did he say impossibly swam across? Uh, let's roll it out. As if he impo- did the impossible, like he's fucking Superman. Could- could be. Well, I'm he's not he almost drowned again. You know, he did. He did fancy himself quite an athlete. He was a big dude. I mean, he's probably yeah. in pretty good shape. Um, he, I'm sure he, they, all the Kennedys thought they were pro football players and shit. Um, but uh, a, Teddy, you know, suddenly this guy who was exhausted, right, and couldn't think straight, the ferry's not running. So I fucking just jump, jump back in that drink, which earlier you said was cold with with killer currents and murky. But suddenly he decides, ah, fuck it, I can see better now. I'll just swim back to my hotel. By the way. The whole thing that we need to understand here is from the time she went into the drink in his Oldsmobile until he decided to call the fucking cops. It was over 10 hours, 10 hours. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's right. long enough to get your story straight, I guess. You seem no, hope sure. That's, that but seems not. like a crime, like a hit and run type of situation. <laughs> Where oh, you'd he, actually in trouble for taking that long. Nah, if you're a senator, if you're a if you're a senator, I think it's fine. Especially yeah. a senator, a senator yeah. with a D at the end of your name, I think that helps. Exactly, yep. precisely. Kennedy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you can continue that. Clip. And impulsively swam across. Impulsively, impulsively. not impossibly. Okay. Sure. Right. Okay. Impulsively. My mistake. Into the water, and impulsively swam across, nearly drowning once again in the effort returned to my hotel about 2 a.m. and collapsed in my room. Collapsed. I remember going out at one point and saying something to the room clerk. In the morning, with my mind somewhat more lucid, I made an effort to call a family legal advisor, Burke Marshall, 
from a public telephone on the Chappaquiddick side of the ferry and then belatedly reported the accident to the Martha Vineyard police. So again, first he calls his fucking attorney in the morning. And then one more, if I got this straight, if I get this straight, Bert, is this what I say? Okay, now I'll call the cops. I mean, what a fucking douchebag. That's pretty bad. By the way, there were seasoned scuba dudes, you know, rescue divers, that finally, when they were called, went there. And, you know, a couple of these guys said, hey, man, you know, there was was a a significant air bubble within the car, and her head was up at the top. She was trying to to breathe what her, her last, what available air was in the cabin of that Oldsmobile. And a couple of these guys were, you know, seasoned pros had been doing it for 20 years each. And they both said, uh, if he'd called us even an hour afterward, we probably could have got her out of there alive. But he was conferring with his attorneys and his buddies and his families and so forth. So anyway, the last clip, play this clip seven. This is where he finally gets to the point. Roll this. (laughs) I felt morally obligated to plead guilty to the charge of leaving the scene of an accident. No words on my part can possibly express the terrible pain and suffering I feel over this tragic incident. This last week has been an agonizing one for me and for the members of my family. My family, not the girl's family. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. so right. He has barely even yeah. mentioned the victim, let alone the victim's... Yeah. <laughs> Never brings a, her up, he's really. He's a fucking sociopath. A fucking sociopath. So anyway, just there's about 10 seconds more of this. Listen to this. So this, this is really the fucking what ties it up with a bow and tell you, tells you what a deep, deep douchebag this guy is or was. And the grief we feel over the loss of a wonderful friend will remain with us the rest of our lives. These events, the publicity, innuendo, and whispers which have surrounded them, and my admission of guilt this morning, raises the question in my mind of whether my standing among the people of my state has been so impaired that I should resign my seat in the United States Senate. So that's what it's all about. You know, is this, is, is, will this reflect so badly at me that, on me that I have to uh, quit the Senate? Well, he fucking didn't. He went on to spend another 40 fucking years farting through the seat uh, in the Senate. Okay, which really speaks to the fucking brain damage of the electorate of the state of Massachusetts. I mean, they just, this guy, they, they just, they never fell out of love with him, no matter what he did. Yeah. Uh I guess every Kennedy gets a pass except for uh, RFK Jr. in the mind of the Democrats. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's anti-vax. Can't yeah. say that. Yeah. Mm. And he doesn't well, have a, a, a like a Massachusetts accent either, which is a big loss, I think, on this part. Larry, I, I am curious. What do you think yeah. happened? Was it an intentional murder and cover-up? Was it a DUI no, no, I cover-up? No, the, I mean, the, the, what happened was the guy was uh, he, he was doubtless loaded, so that's yeah. why there was such a gap. To, he's trying to sober up, you know, probably drinking gallons of water and pissing as much as he could mm-hmm. in that time. He probably got handsy with the broad. Another cop came by and said that he saw that Oldsmobile parked near the bridge 
um, and completely threw off Kennedy's purported timeline. Kennedy said he left the the, uh, the party at about 11.15, and the accident happened, I don't know, 10 minutes later, something like that. This cop said he was driving home from his shift. He saw the Oldsmobile. He eyeballed it. He even remembered the numbers on the tags and said it was like half an hour later than that. And he figured, you know, somebody's in there making out, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's... he's I'm sure he was still, you know, higher. <laughs> Who knows what was going on? And uh, he drove off the fucking bridge and just swam to safety himself. Fuck her. I got to be president someday. I can't be bothered with this shit. Christ. That's Teddy. The little people. The little people. Exactly. Mm. So. Nice. Well, that's yeah. Teddy Kennedy there. Well, that's, that's uh, are Teddy we ready? Kennedy. Fuck ready for the uh, man. <laughs> we yes, ready for we're the ready for the poll. Yeah, That's, so we'll uh, get it going here. Mother Teresa versus Teddy Kennedy in the semifinals. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Tighten it up, boys. Let's <laughs> we're, do. We're it. trying, Let's... JC. <laughs> Try tighter. We're trying. Okay, and it's out. Vote is out. And make sure you go there vote on the poll the at www.snopes.com. When in doubt, go to snopes.com. There, wait, no, Just go kidding. to mk.spook.social/slash/at-lavish. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's the one. That's the thing. Uh, phone lines are open. 865-465-6271. Goes vote on those polls real quick, people. I don't know, I don't know who created, created Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. But, I'm, but trying I'm trying to, to figure, figure out how, how we, we get, get them, them to have Pokemon Go, go to, to the, the polls. 865-465-6271. Let's get those votes in, people. Survey says, fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know who created Pokemon Go. That's it. Sometimes I'll be laying oh, in bed on. and that'll be stuck in my head. <laughs> Just be laying there. Come going. on, Mother Teresa. Dirty needles, people. Dirty needles into kids' kidneys. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Sounds like a basis for a good nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> a good nightmare. It's pretty. Yeah. Oh, All right, we got a call. Caller, Hello, caller, you're on the air. Battle of dead douchebags. You know where uh, Ted was heading that day, right? Where? Did you guys say it? I don't think so. Thirty seconds. The local brothel. He was going. He was going to Martha's Vineyard, wasn't he? Or no? I don't know. Is that did that deserve a rim shot? I don't know. <laughs> also, no, the no, local brothel. No, but, I, but you know where their place was on Martha Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, right? Uh, where the not, location is? I I don't know. It's called Gate. It's called Gate Head. It's a tight one. Head. Oh, this is tight. Oh, oh it's my the god! Gate Head. Caller, did you get your vote in? I was, I was waiting for. Yeah, that. I did. Uh, get your vote in. Yeah, oh hurry. my god! Yes, I did. Yes, I did. A boneless rib Oh, my God. This might be the first tie. What will they think of next? Yep, yep, yep. You want to just get to it for time, Chris, or you want to wait for the music? One more. (laughs) It's time. Uh, What what were the final results? With 22 votes in, it's tied at 11-11. Holy shit. Does that mean super sudden death? Holy shit. What do we do? Super Super sudden death. It's rock, paper, scissors. Now it's... We got to do rock, paper, scissors. Uh, we'll do so one clip with no right? with no context. You just play a clip, and then we go from there. All right. So Mother Teresa, I guess, would be first out of default since we're that doing it that way. Oh, okay. we have one Teddy clip well, left. Yeah. Let me see here. Uh, I got this one here. Teresa supposedly would even tell patients that there is piety in pain. <laughs> 
rather than attempting to help treat the pain. This supports the reputation she earned that she would glorify human suffering rather than try and treat it. Reporter Donald McIntyre went undercover at one of Mother Teresa's homes in a report titled Mother Teresa's Legacy. In it, he witnessed many people tied like animals. He saw a boy rock back and forth with his ankle tethered to a cot. He overheard some volunteers laughing about a boy who had peed on a volunteer because he was tied to his bed. He also claimed to see an older disturbed woman tied to a tree and babies tied up with cloths during feeding time. According to the report, what? the volunteers were too intoxicated with the myth of Mother Teresa and drunk on their own philanthropy to see that such treatment of children was inhumane and degrading. All right, there's Mother Teresa's clip. All right, now, Larry, do you want me to play your last clip or do you want me to play a random Damn. Teddy Kennedy clip from YouTube that I pulled <laughs> on the fly just now? <laughs> uh, play, uh, play, uh, play Teddy 4. Right. Concussive, uh, concussive confusion. My conduct and conversations during the I was, next I was several about to say hours, to the extent that I can remember them, make no sense to me at all. Although my doctors inform me that I suffered a cerebral concussion as well as shock, he's, he's suffered. I do not seek to escape responsibility for my actions by placing the blame either on the physical and emotional trauma brought on by the accident or on anyone else. I regard as indefensible the fact that I did not report the accident to the police immediately. Ten hours. Instead of looking directly for a telephone <laughs> after lying exhausted in the grass for an undetermined time, exhausted. I walked back to the cottage where the party was being held and requested the help <laughs> of two friends, my cousin Joseph Gargan and Paul Markham, directed them to return immediately to the scene with me. This was sometime after midnight. In order to undertake a new effort to dive down and locate Miss Kopechny. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's redo that poll and let's do it for one minute this time because it is super sudden death after all. Super, super sudden. Super sudden. Death. We haven't okay. had a super sudden death in oh in. A long, long a hot time. minute. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> all and, right. And that was all. That was. Uh, I guess you. What's the opposite of a super sudden death? The way Teddy Kennedy's victim died. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh a super slow well, death. Agonizing. Mm. Nice work. I will say. I will say that uh, Teddy Kennedy sounded much sharper than than he did when he died. Yeah, that's that's okay. usually how it goes. Kissinger probably same way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pulls <laughs> yeah. Out. yeah. If you would have pulled earlier Kissinger clips, you probably would have like won on that round because he's got a lot of like dicky clips that he's like I, over I, the years. That he's I did done. win. I did win. Kissinger's in the final. But did he, what? Yeah. Oh, he is. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, Sorry, if Michael Jackson would have beat Kissinger, that <laughs> would have been a pretty big upset. Uh, <laughs> all that right. would have been a huge upset, dude. All right. Pulls I mean, out. I, I was I once I Pulled. knew that I was going against Henry Kissinger. I was like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, who's gonna? Who's it gonna be? Oh my god! Super sudden death! Oh, shit! Super sudden Is death. it gonna be a super super sudden death? That would be crazy. Don't please don't do that, people. We gotta get out of here. That'd be super insane. super. Somebody sudden vote for death. Kennedy. <laughs> Let's make it a super super <laughs> sudden death. <laughs> Wow! No, a super duper, super Please, duper Noah, sudden. I have a family. Please. <laughs> <We can't. laughs> I 
<laughs> My family's bigger. Damn it. Like Check weight. <laughs> like fatter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> A boneless rib sandwich. What will they think of Oh, next? damn. It's a blowout. It's a blowout. Of next. This is truly you do have to register to vote. Oh, it was. I, I accidentally put two minutes. My bad. Nah, it's all good. One minute, saying I'm going to break the bank. Damn it. I was going to do it up to my drinking. Uh, we got another call coming in, caller. I'm going to take it. Uh oh. Seven seconds. Oh, seven seconds. Oh, yeah, it's over now. Caller, caller you're on the air. What are you thinking? Hi. Hi. I'm thinking Kennedy. 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 The son of oh. the bootlegger Kennedy. All right, the well, people caller, that you're ask in their the friends before the authorities. <laughs> Say that again, caller. <laughs> the people that ask their friends before they call the authorities. What should I do? <laughs> what should they do? Call my lawyer. <laughs> send, send, send yeah, the son of a bootlegger. Money. The son yeah. of a gangster. <laughs> oh nice, nice. shit! All right. Then All there's right, her. Well, call I don't her. know. It's, call her. Thank yep. you for calling in. We love you. All right, man. Thank you, caller. See you. So nice, to, <laughs> so nice of Teddy Kennedy to call in from Beyond the Grave. <laughs> really? Beyond the Grave. All right. Final Ooh. results are in. 25 votes in total. 16 of the votes going to Mother Teresa. Ooh, Mother Teresa. Damn. Damn. Uh, All right. It was a close one. Mother good, Teresa good game, gets Ted ass. Congratulations. She probably tosses salad, too. Oh. Larry, I've been trying to bag a babushka my whole life. <laughs> um, One day. Well, it is. This is Russian propaganda. <laughs> sp- sp- speaking of Russian, uh, we do have to hurry. It is it's 8 our o'clock. Babushka. Uh, Larry, I know you, uh, you're, we're keeping you. We've kept you long enough. Um, and since you're eliminated, you're all welcome to stay until we finish. But I do want to give you the option to exit if you would so choose. Right, and we, I'm going <laughs> to bail and say it's been a pleasure as always, gents. Thank you so much. Larry. Pleasure and honor, Larry. I'm. You Thank can't you. see it, but what I'm a saluting. gentleman. Yeah, I'm saluting you right now. <laughs> I'm saluting too. How'd you know? <laughs> to LRH. Jesus Christ. To LRH. <laughs> yeah, to LRH. Um, right, but man. and. But yeah, Larry, thatlarryshow.com and Planet Rage every Monday, thatlarryshow.com. You're, it's, it's a must-listen podcast. I can't, uh, I can't recommend it enough. And Planet Rage, of course. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Big Darren. You know it. It's, oh, yeah. it's the best. It's ma- it makes uh, Both those shows make my week, man. Uh, no well, bull- thank you. I, I, I look up to you in a lot of ways, and I'm so honored to have had you on this douche battle. Uh, the, but unfortunately, you couldn't. Mine. Unfortunately, you, you couldn't get, make it to the end. So get the fuck out of here! <laughs> all right, see you guys. No, right. thanks, Larry. Larry, we love you. Adios. We, we love man. you, Larry. Love you. You're the best man, Larry. Sexiest voice of all time. <laughs> see you, doodles, 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 Larry. Okay, I'm high. I've gotten uh, Larry, permission from the now. <laughs> I've gotten uh, permission from the back channels uh, that we should just go ahead and finish. Uh, so we'll just go ahead let's and wrap, just wrap up it up instead of uh, yep. instead of cutting off the stream. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's all go right. ahead and get to For the sure. second bracket of the semifinals, and that would be LRH versus Henry Kissinger. Oh wait, that's uh, right. Oh yeah, no, we don't need a playout clip. Players gone. <laughs> yeah, LRH versus Henry Kissinger. Let's do it.
It'll reach up first. All right, sounds good. So what we're going to start with is the uh, uh, go with lrhprofile.mp3. He was a living monument to how much a tall white man can achieve in this world by just lying without pause or cessation for 70 straight years. That's his whole life. He just never stopped lying from the time he was about four years old until the day he died. Mm. And uh, he, he died worth like $600 million. So it worked out pretty wow. well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a, a weird time researching this because I wanted to hate him. And it's really hard to hate him. Really? Um, he's a piece of shit. He sure. is a monster. He uh-huh. does terrible things. <laughs> but there's also, he's not just a terrible guy. Like with a lot of terrible people today, it'll be like some rich asshole who like does something that's terrible to the environment or like, you know, is abusive to their employees or whatever. Mm-hmm. L. Ron Hubbard did his terrible things while shooting for the moon. Okay. That's interesting. So he's ambitious to me. and you got to admire him for that. He might be the most ambitious con artist in human history. Wow. Okay. Um, he's in the running. <laughs> All right. Yep. That's, that's imp- how it is. So I, he's a huge con artist, but you gotta give him credit for trying so hard. Um, got the here's a, a clip yep. of him trying to prove that uh, he has proven that there's life after death without being dead. He proved that there's life after death without dying. So, uh, click the uh, clip. Uh, um. Okay. Doesn't Scientology have any dogma at all? For instance, life after death. Well, life after death is life after death. And uh, you can't lay down a dogma oh, really? where you're dealing with fact. And it's very interesting that an individual uh, does survive life after death, but I'm afraid that's too technical and uh, a question to go into in a program of this nature. Uh, are you saying that Scientology has proved this? Yes, proven it, definitely. Has it proved anything else definitely. in the spiritual field? Well, yes, it's it's proved that uh, uh, it's proved that uh, man uh, is basically. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what a cliffhanger! Um, uh, oh, I, I have to go. Uh, time. Oh God, uh, I have a thing I forgot proved, about. Uh, uh, <laughs> All right, so here is uh, uh, LRH. Um, it's a layover of a South Park clip where they depict uh, the, through cartoon. Honestly, the visuals really help with this. But it's a uh, layover of a clip where South Park depicted the entire uh, uh, chronology of the body Thetans and Xenu um, in cartoon form. And this is a layover of, of uh, LRH actually explaining that on top of the South Park clip. Click South Park LRH. See, Stan. There is a reason for people feeling sad and depressed. An alien reason. It all began 75 million years ago. And they had elected a fellow by the name of Zemu, not knowing what the hell they were doing, but fed all kinds of false orders, were fed in against the population to pick them up one after the other. The trick was to shoot somebody, disable somebody very often, a needle into a lung, and at the same time to hit him with frozen alcohol and glycol, which how they had to do was pick him up and put him in a refrigerator, and they had him, boy. Boxed him up in boxes, threw him into space planes, which are the exact DC-8s. The DC-8 airplane is the exact copy of the space plane of that day. And they took these people in boxes and so forth, and they dumped them, and then they set off hydrogen bombs on the top of each 
primary volcano there is on this particular planet. And when they blew up, it blew the Thetans into the air. And after the bomb, an electronic ribbon was erected over the area of it and put in front of uh, projection machines, which with sound and color pictures with a 3D super colossal motion picture, uh, which has to do with God, the devil, uh, space opera, you know. There is no such thing on this planet as a body phaeton. I mean, a person who has no body phaetons, a body that doesn't have any body phaetons. It's something like that, trying to tell me that there are, that cows exist on the planet who have no heads. They attach themselves to all mankind. <laughs> okay. Still to this okay, so, okay, so final uh, clip here. Uh, secu- yep. Um, go to security checks. This is uh, this is L. Ron Hubbard um, describing how he basically. Uh, uh, this is a clip that describes how L. Ron Hubbard uh, made sure that any, all of his followers were not um, FBI agents and government agents. Click it. Ooh, I like this. He's based now. And Scientology itself is not exactly a religion. Scientology could be called well, you could call it a religion of religions. A global community began to grow that could not be ignored. At the turn of the decade, in 1960, Scientology had gained worldwide fame, leading to governments eyeing Scientology as a perceived threat. Hubbard was a radical thinker, believing U.S. agencies and foreign governments had infiltrated Scientology with spies, and so he developed measures to defend his creation. People or groups judged as fair game would be punished and harassed by any means possible. In a letter sent to all Scientologists, Hubbard explained fair game individuals, quote, may be deprived of property or injured by any means by any Scientologist without any discipline of the Scientologists, may be tricked, sued, or lied to, or even destroyed. A security check involved an ethics officer who would question supposed spies or newcomers to the faith in order to deduce whether or not they were a suppressive persons. There were actually different types of security checks, ones designed for staff auditors or field auditors, one for children aged 6 to 12, and one that consists of questions that apply to not just your life right now, but countless past lives. Did you come to Earth for evil purposes? Have you ever enslaved a population? Have you ever eaten a human body? Have you ever made a planet or nation radioactive? If the security checks weren't enough protection from those who would do him harm, Hubbard left St. Hill Manor and moved aboard his own private fleet. And that's where the Sea Org comes in. But, I thought, uh, I, thought yeah. I would pass the security <laughs> check and then they people, asked... Sorry, I was just going to say, I thought I would pass the security chest, and then they asked, have you ever <laughs> made a planet radioactive? And I'm like, oh, well, fuck. Yeah, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever made a one time. Or nation radioactive? Have you ever eaten a human body? I've never done it's, that. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> this is the kind of shit that, like, I mean, LRA. I, I also want to highlight, it's a, it's a 10-second clip. How fucking douchebaggy this guy sounds just in his regular speech. Every fucking word that comes out of his mouth sounds. It's the it's, it's the epitome of douchebaggery. Play motion picture. Uh, hang on, it's, it's got a lot of silence at the start. Play it. It's got a, it's got a ton. So far, I'm thirty seconds in. Really? It's all silence. Yeah, I'm. It's probably at the end. I clipped it out. 
Nope, it's right at the end. It and was just like 10 seconds. It was a, yeah. Motion okay. picture. Yeah, it was just 40 seconds of silence leading up to Motion picture. Motion picture. Let me hear it again. Let me hear like, it again. I, I, he talks like, but like this. Let me hear it again. Motion picture. Picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, before we end this, Play Tom Cruise saluting LRH. I mean, that's that's we have to have that. To LRH. To LRH. To LRH. He 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 slurs his words a little too much there. Yeah, and, then, and then the crowd. To LRH. To LRH. To LRH. LRH. And then he he basically turns and he salutes a twelve foot portrait <laughs> of the ugliest man I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. LRH. And uh, everyone cheers. Thousands of people cheer. It's honestly, it's the craziest. I mean, I don't. And everyone, how clap. much time do I have left? You have a couple minutes. Okay, okay. You got, you got perfect. A, about a uh, we already, and a half. we already played that one. Uh, let's do, let's do Scientology fixes religion part one. This is this is a uh, uh, LRH claiming that uh, uh, he's not trying to dog other religions, but he completely dogs every religion. While claiming that Scientology right. is compliment, co- are you, Scientology can fix any religion essentially. Play I just it. want to make sure that you don't want to save this in case you make it to the finals. You want to play part I mean, one or two, but save part two. It's your it's your decision. I just want I don't want you to burn through. Oh, you got forty seconds now. So what about no, no, we all no, have no, a body? Don't don't play it. What about we'll uh, save it for the end? Okay, that, that way that the audience knows there's more to come. <laughs> And there is more to come. Oh, there's always more. Dude, LRH is the biggest douchebag of all time. If he doesn't win, <laughs> it's it's an injustice. Let's be honest here. All wow! Right. Incredible! So we're ready for uh, Henry Incredible. Kissinger? Incredible! Yeah, Ooh. we are. Ooh, do that. Ooh, you should just Kissinger. do the whole show with that reverb on. All right. Henry Kissinger! <laughs> here we go. Henry Kissinger is... Uh, well, I mean, what can you say about this guy that hasn't been said? Well, you know what? Let's just have Tucker say it. That's- Basically, he purposefully like sabotaged peace talks in Vietnam during the Vietnam War for Nixon's political gain. He then expanded the war into Cambodia and Laos and authorized bombing campaigns on, to quote him, anything that moves. Also, Kissinger wanted peace talks sabotaged for Nixon to prolong the war in Vietnam for five more years. Why? Because war is good for business. He then expanded bombing campaigns into neighboring countries and destabilized their governments, paving the way for the Khmer Rouge. Kissinger did this to prolong the Vietnam War. But he also authorized the targeting of anybody and anything in those countries. To go further, he is responsible for Nixon opening up relations with China. He's responsible for the rise of political extremist Islam in most of the Middle East and Africa, because he thought it would combat communism. Spoiler, it didn't work. He fed Nixon's paranoia into all the wiretapping shit and the Watergate hotel incident that led to Nixon's resignation. He had, I don't know how many Latin American governments overthrown. What else? Oh, yeah, he endorsed up to three regimes actively committing genocides around the world. To quote journalist Greg Grandin, Pull but one string from the current tangle of today's multiple foreign policy crises, and odds are it will lead back to something Kissinger did between 1968 and 1977. Over-reliance on Saudi oil, that's Kissinger. 
blowback from the instrumental use of radical Islam to destabilize Soviet allies? Again, Kissinger. An unstable arms race in the Middle East? Check, Kissinger. Sunni-Shia rivalry? Yup, Kissinger. The impasse in Israel-Palestine? Kissinger. Radicalization of Iran? An act of folly was how veteran diplomat George Ball described Kissinger's relationship to the Shah. Militarization of the Persian Gulf? Kissinger, 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 end quote. Kissinger basically fucked us and is still fucking us with how shitty of a secretary of state he was, even though he is now thankfully gone. Rest in piss, you evil bastard. (laughs) Tugger with the expletives. Damn, that's that's a scathing review if I've ever heard it. Well, now I have to become clean. That was an A.I. I was not really Tucker, but uh, that wasn't Tucker. (laughs) Jesus, so disappointing. That's that's cheating. That's fake. That's (laughs) cheating. Fake news. That is fake. (laughs) All right. Well, this is not fake. And actually, uh, it's better. It's always good to hear both sides of the story. Um, This is a little girl. Her and her twin sister were uh, around Kissinger a lot when they were small children. Uh, He was kind of like their glorified babysitter. And at least she has some positive things to say about Henry Kissinger since she was a child around him a lot. Can we talk about Henry Kissinger? Oh, God. Henry Kissinger, when he died, I was like probably five days. I was not functional. Henry Kissinger was very involved with Sue and I when we were little kids. It would that one man. And he lived a hundred probably drinking blood, human blood. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, maybe that wasn't a good example. Uh, let's go to Kay Griggs. Uh, her husband was, uh, a high level military and worked uh, closely with Kissinger questions. You look, you know, instead of looking at, this is just her background here. I mean, you look directly into that camera. Okay. That would be best. Sure. Now you don't have to do that all the time, Okay. but for this, for the impact, sure. of it, for the ver- veracity, we need all right. that. All oh, right. She's the shit. <clears throat> wife of George uh, your Griggs. name is, uh, Catherine yep. Pollard Griggs. Yes. You are the wife of Colonel George Griggs. Yes. 11 years of marriage. Yes. It's true that your husband is uh, and has been the head of special operations under Admiral Kelso, NATO. Yes. And it's true that you were the uh, head of the hospitality committee. Yes. You were the ex- a member of the executive board of NATO's Wives Club. Absolutely. And uh, also that your husband's background Includes uh, NATO Defense College in Rome. Yes. Princeton class of uh, 1959. Yes. His intelligence career, spy career, began in Vietnam. Yes. And uh, it's also true that it continues under this day. Absolutely, under uh, General Wilhelm. And that your uh, husband was the liaison between the White House and President Jamal of Beirut, Lebanon, at the time of the bombing of the Marine barracks in uh, Lebanon? Yes. And, in fact, your husband was an alcoholic. Absolutely. And probably Credible. is to this day. Absolutely. And uh, during these drunken stupors, uh, he would, so to speak, blab on and tell you everything he knew about the everything. intelligence community. Everything. Nothing was hid. No. It was like he wanted to relieve himself and bur- unburden his heart. Yes. And so he told you everything that you now know about yes. the intelligence community yes. and that you are talking about. And in fact, he told you that they knew the bombing was coming down in yes. Beirut before it occurred. Absolutely. And also, he, he, uh, by your association with him, you have come to understand and know 
this, as shocking as this may sound yeah. to the people who are viewing this, that the United States military is literally run by sexual deviants heavy on the homosexual side. Tr- truly. All right. Uh, so that's a good setup there. And we'll just go right on to uh, what she had to think of or what uh, what she's heard and been told about Kissinger from these uh, certain military people. Henry Kissinger was a well-known. Um, By the way, I, this interview is over seven straight hours long. This interview is. It's a long. famous interview. I had never seen it. I am about three hours into it. So there, I'm sure there's a ton yeah. of gyms in here. Uh, like but you yeah. said, the general consensus is the whole thing's run by a bunch of like gay generals, basically. It's yeah, like Satan worshiping, uh, poop, poop chugging general. Like they, like they, like take baths in human shit and uh, and butt fuck uh, underage boys. It's really crazy. Yeah, Henry Kissinger was a well known, um, totally a homosexual, not even both ways. Um, and so his wife is a marriage of. Uh, Oh, it's just a convenience. Cover, yeah, and he might, you know, maybe he's discovered women in his late, late age. I don't know. But, um, no, I, I heard through the, the, a very well-grounded German that, that Henry's best friend's father told Henry to stay away from him, and that's why Henry left. The family were embarrassed. And Henry, Henry went to Britain where they did this and then changed his name from Heinz to Henry. Um, and I interviewed um, a man named Bob, who's uh, an army enlisted person who uh, told me about Henry in Cambodia. So he, up through um, Cambodia, he was he was actually raping young men, and of course. It, that experience destroyed the lives of, of these five young men, according Yikes. to the source. Hmm. I mean, he, he said he was crying, and this man is, was a perfectly wonderful, functioning, young married man who worked for a newspaper on the Eastern Shore and had three young children, went to, to Vietnam as an enlisted man, was put in Cambodia, which he said he was, it was a lie living there, and then ran into Henry Kissinger, or Henry Kissinger ran into him and did certain things to him, invited him into his tent with some other men. It was horrible, but it was, you know, he said it's wartime and um, so forth, but he said, you know, I could have taken it mentally if it had been a bunkmate or something, but he said when it's someone like Henry Kissinger who does it to you. You're ruined. He said, I could never... He said, he came back home. Oh, and this is interesting. And I really believe that, that Bob's right. He said, Kissinger said to him, if you ever tell anybody, if you ever mention a soul, this is the, it's the end of you. Don't you ever tell anybody. Well, when he got back, when Bob got back... Um, he went to a special hospital, and they were going to keep him locked up forever. You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. All right. Uh, how much time do I have left? You got uh, 45 seconds. Uh, that's a 59-second clip. Can I get away with it? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. And, and Bob was warned. By- this is the same lady talking about the same event on a different interview. And, and Bob 
was warned by by him not to talk. And um, in fact, when he got back to Washington State or Oregon or wherever it was, they that there was a psychiatrist who was there, and they they tried to put him in a an institutionalized setting. Mm-hmm. And he had some friends back back home, back in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, he got back home, and he. He just, um, he said it really messed up his marriage. He, he told this uh, story to you. It, yeah. yeah now, we're talking about, I assume, uh, sexual penetration. Yeah. Oh, and, yes. And, and just anal, mm-hmm. um, just horrible stuff. Right. I got a cold. And he, it just, it just is so. And you had no doubt sad. he was telling, no doubt that he was telling the truth. Oh, absolutely no doubt whatsoever. No, no doubt whatsoever. I'll leave it there. I think that speaks uh, for itself. A nice Jeff Rents cut there. <laughs> Sprechen the douche. All right. Sprechen the douche. Look, he's a douche. He's All a right, douche. Here we go. But I don't know that he's as entertaining as LRH. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. That's what you said about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Same. Same deal. Hey, I'm just being honest. Right. Same deal. Here we All go. Right. The vote is hey, on. Kissinger's a Jew. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. created Pokemon Go. Sure is. All right. Here we go. But Alexander. I'm trying to figure out how we get Thanks. them to have Pokemon go to the polls. Vote is on. Eight six five four six five six two seven one. Eight vote, six five vote, vote. four six five six two seven one. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be really close. If if anything, it's be tight. I, mean, I, I feel like Kissinger might blow us away. I feel like this is the best matchup. Of Hubbard the night is a so true douchebag. Nah, Kissinger's going to win this. Caller, I mean, he's just he was an e. Uh, okay, yo, listeners, call, wait, hey, there's caller. a difference between. A douchebag and a evil person. Let me just say that. Caller, you're on the air. I gotta go, LRH, man. I'm sick of that motherfucker's sign polluting the skyline of my city. We got a big, <laughs> ugly-ass Church of Scientology <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. They're fucking polluting our skyline. I'm not oh, okay with it. So you already voted Shitty. then, Caller? I voted. LRH. You can't, you can't mm. call and then vote. That will fuck you. It's a bad uh, know, strategy. But, but you gotta I've, vote and then I've call. Seen, I've seen Granddad do it a couple times. Well, <laughs> he's an exception, you know. He's got <laughs> special talents. Dweller H. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. right. Well, that fucks up uh, all the views of all no, the cities. People, people are literally switching their votes from Hubbard to Kissinger. I don't think I'm you watching the votes s- for Hubbard go down and the and the. Somebody you can't did. switch a vote. I watched it go down one. <laughs> I think you can switch. I don't know. If you can do that. Everybody get your votes in. Democracy is founded on one simple rule. Get out there and vote or I will motherfucking kill you. Let's get those votes I in. I will motherfucking I like kill you. Bitch. All right. Time's up. Oh, shit. Votes in. Votes in. Vote Where are we going? is in. Damn. Oh, shit. Let's see. Final results. Final results. Fuck. With 24 votes in all, Henry Kissinger wins with 15 of the votes versus Elrond's nine. Oh, oh damn! He's close though in the start. God fucking sucks. This fucking You're right, caller. Caller has so no reason to be pissed. 
Hey, you made fucking it. Fucking sucks. You made it to the semifinals. That's what matters. Hey, at least the caller was on my side. <laughs> Your supporters didn't call in. My supporters called in. All right, for my Your playoffs. Supporters hang out in the woodwork. Douchebag. You know, we're gonna have to save. Uh, we're gonna have to save LRH uh, fixing religion for next time. We're gonna have to go with the South Park clip. Uh, we already put your abs in a six pack. Twitter. We are. We are. No. There's oh. a second one. Oh. It. We, I pulled it at the very last moment before we started the show. Oh, uh, I see it's it. in your I abs in a six pack DM. I, I, I got it. I need to talk to you. Excuse Stan me, is L. Right L. Ron Hubbard. Like, yeah, yeah. They think he's the reincarnation, essentially, right? Yes. The second coming. The third coming. I need to talk to you. Excuse me, sir. I'll be right back. Are you all right? You're sweating. Take a look at this. What is it? The E-meter results from the little boy in room D. This, this can't be right. We ran the test four times. We used four different E-meters. Fax these results to the head office in Los Angeles. The president has to see this right away. Go, now! By the way, I like that this video is uploaded on YouTube by George W. Bush. (laughs) With a picture of <laughs> his official <laughs> account, his channel. I'm a small mountain town in Colorado, sir. Sir, how can it be that a first-timer scores that kind of thetan level? He registered OT9. I'm only OT7, and I've been in the church all my life. I've waited 42 years for this day. Sir, don't you all see what this means? There was only one person who ever registered OT9 in the history of our church. Elrond. Elrond <laughs> Hubbard said he had lived past lives. That when he died, his Thetan would show itself again. Our prophet has returned. Uh, Stanley, take the garbage out before you go to bed. <laughs> I took out the garbage yesterday. Right now, Stan. Ah. Ah. Stupid, dumb garbage. <laughs> a huge crowd awaits Stan. Thank you for returning. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. Stan, what the hell did you do? I don't know. Hello, young man. I'm the head of Scientology. It is a great honor to meet you. Look, we don't want our son to join your group, okay? We're not asking him to join us. We're asking him to lead us. Oh my god, it's John Travolta! <laughs> oh my god. Is this where we live? Is this where Ron Hubbard is? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Young man, I know you don't remember it, but your name was L. Ron Hubbard. You revealed a secret which began the whole Church of Scientology. Okay, Stan, it's late. Go up to your room and get ready for bed. Let mommy and daddy handle this. I I like the idea of uh, L. Ron Hubbard in a Terrence and Phillips shirt like we saw there. That's great. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, all the uh, as always, all the uh, remaining uh, all the remaining L. Ron clips and all other clips will be at the end of show. But for with that, let's go ahead and move into the final bracket of the night. Because, as Legolas would say, we've lingered here far too long. Final round! Whoa! Final! Uh, Round three! 
Round three. This will be fighter challengers approach. A real nail biter between Mother Teresa and Henry Kissinger. The best. Mother, I did not think Mother Teresa would make it this far. Let me just be honest. Well, I'll be honest. I did because I did the research, and holy shit, is Mother Teresa a piece of shit? And I'm I'm glad I picked her. Great intro. Great pick. <laughs> All right, let me start the timer for myself here. Let me time myself. All right, let's get into it. What happens when you have a billion dollars? Do you make a world-class hospital, or do you make 140 really shitty hospitals? Well, the Teresa shitty hospital is now a missionary multinational with annual turnover in the tens of millions. If concentrated in Calcutta, that could certainly support a large hospital and perhaps even make a noticeable difference. But Mother Teresa has chosen instead to spread her franchise very thinly. To her, the convent and the catechism matter more than the clinic. Now we are in 105 countries, and we have 500 convents all around the world, without counting India. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. Sounds like a South Park point. Um, so again, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even billions of dollars. But her facilities, again, don't have beds, untrained volunteer medical staff, fill the conditions, giving Advil to cancer patients, no hot running water, so everybody has to bathe in cold water. And that's just at a baseline. And then you have the reports of abuse and people being chained to beds and bullshit. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll play that one again. Teresa supposedly would even tell patients that there is piety in pain rather than attempting to help treat the pain. This supports the reputation she earned that she would glorify human suffering rather than try and treat it. Reporter Donald McIntyre went undercover at one of Mother Teresa's homes in a report titled Mother Teresa's Legacy. In it, he witnessed many people tied like animals. He saw a boy rock back and forth with his ankle tethered to a cot. He overheard some volunteers laughing about a boy who had peed on a volunteer because he was tied to his bed. He also claimed to see an older disturbed woman tied to a tree and babies tied up with cloths during feeding time. According to the report, the volunteers were too intoxicated with the myth of Mother Teresa and drunk on their own philanthropy to see that such treatment of children was inhumane and degrading. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she fucking loved abortions. And by oh. loved, I mean she hated them. She oh. hated, she, <laughs> she loved to hate abortions, as, as a good Catholic would. Well, that's confusing. I ventured on my own pilgrimage to the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta in early 1980. Who could fail to be touched by the work of the orphanage? Not I. Though I did find myself a little put off by the mission's motto. He that loveth correction, loveth knowledge. Bit of a workhouse ring to that, perhaps. But it was Mother Teresa herself who completed the wreckage of the effect. As we stood by the tiny cots, she turned and said, This is how we fight abortion and contraception in Calcutta. Now, it might be argued that a campaign against family planning is low on the list of Calcutta's many pressing needs. But as a leading member of the Pope's fundamentalist tendency on matters of sex and procreation, Mother Teresa has made this single issue into her global crusade. The greatest destroyer of peace today is the cry of the innocent unborn child. If a mother can murder her own child in her own womb, 
What is left for you and for me to kill each other? Tenderness about the unborn is an emotion that I share myself. But tenderness about the unborn also becomes an overtly political matter when it's preached by a presumable virgin who also campaigns against birth control. Let us promise Our Lady who loves Ireland so much that we will never allow in this country a single abortion. And no contraceptives. And no rubbers. Mother like Teresa <laughs> has no politics, so she maintains, and so many people believe. What's that? I was just, just going to say, it seems like, uh, I guess that's why she's so douchey. It seems like if you're going to not let people have abortions, you would at least let them have condoms and birth control. <laughs> but what No, you can't have those either. Okay. Because <laughs> if you wear the rubber, it's like killing a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean jerking off? Came to London jerking off where it doesn't what? go inside of a. If, does that mean if you jerk off and the cum doesn't go inside of a vagina, that's just as bad as an abortion, or just as bad as one? It's a. Uh, it's tantamount to mass murder. Yeah, that's as the Bill Hicks Thousands. joke goes. Uh, I have wiped uh, generations and billions of of civilizations off of my chest with a sock. Hmm. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Ostensibly, as an advocate for the homeless, she bent the ear of the Iron Lady and sought to steer her to the support of a bill limiting abortion. The sponsors of that bill, who arranged the meeting, were in no doubt that her intervention was political. Yeah. So she's not political, but she's going around. She's, again, hanging out with all of the biggest douchebags in the world. She's hanging out with Margaret Thatcher. She's hanging out with Ronald Reagan. She's hanging out with the dictator families that run Haiti. She's hanging out with uh, genocidal maniacs in Eastern Europe. Uh, I'm going to repeat a clip that I already played just to listen to the names again of some of the people that, that she's... If it sometimes seems that the Saint of Calcutta is never actually in Calcutta at all, this may be because she operates more as the roving ambassador of a highly politicized papacy. Vatican foreign policy has taken her from the shores of Lebanon, where the Roman Catholic militia perpetrated the mass murder of the Sabra and Shatila camps, Yes, yes, yes. The the the, the camps, the camps. So uh, let's see here. I've got a little source here. Sabra and Chatila massacre, 1618, 1982 killings between oh around four thousand people uh, by Christian militias in Lebanon, supported by hmm, that's funny. The Israel Defense Force, the IDF. What was also a, a yeah? That's weird. Who could have thought? Hmm. Well, that's very strange. Uh, who else did she mess with? To Nicaragua, where the Cardinal was the patron of the Contras. That's right. You remember the Iran-Contra scandal. That'll, that'll do, Dad, with uh, the Reagan administration. Yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, okay. To Armenia, where she helped Mother Church gain a foothold in the Soviet Union. Uh, have you ever heard of the Armenian Genocide? I don't think that, that, no, didn't, that didn't happen, I don't think. No, that didn't happen. It's on the Young Turks that didn't happen. In return. That's, it's actually been debunked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, you can just check it out for yourself, Snopes.com. The present Pope is known to have placed her on the fast track for canonization. Go to Snopes.com. This is the kind of politics in which she does indeed get involved. Robert Maxwell's genius for self-promotion made a nice fit with Mother Teresa's talent for fundraising. 
Robert Maxwell, although, uh, again, uh, the father of Ghislaine Maxwell, who was uh, the girlfriend and uh, confidant and probably the ringleader of whatever the intelligence honeypot was that was the Jeffrey Epstein circuit. I can't uh, believe that Maxwell time. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Robert Maxwell is a big figure in England. He was a huge figure. uh, He was like, uh, you know, what we'd call like a William Randolph Hearst here like he was a total media tycoon and uh, and he was also a major proponent of the founding of israel he had a that he had a million ties to the Mossad and to israel as a whole and he's considered one of the the founding fathers of israel he was like a kosher uh, he, willy wonka <laughs> willy wonka was kosher you take that back <laughs> uh, i'm gene wilding out over here gene wilder was very kosher uh, okay, and then we keep uh, going on here. It became hard to decide which of the two was using which, or was it both? Ever since I- so why is he propping up, of all people, why is he propping her up? And why is she the one who gets to get, get the golden ticket to go around? You're this impoverished uh, uh, nun in the middle of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, one day, you're just like the biggest thing on on the face of the earth because what? Because you 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 stick uh, kids with terminal diseases with dirty needles, and everyone's like, "Wow, what a great person!" Because none of your so business. She cares them. That's what none of you. In the United States, Mother Teresa accepted well over a million dollars from Mr. Charles Keating, a right-wing Catholic fundamentalist and anti-pornography crusader, who was also a California savings and loan tycoon. Uh, anti-porn is douchey as hell, by the way. Mr. Keating's problem was that he was using other people's money. I just talked to somebody about He's that. He's now behind bars. After- what? I was just saying, I just talked to somebody about that. Well, tell them from me. The greatest <laughs> scandal in American financial history. But while he was flying high, Mother Teresa flew right along with him. She got the use of his private plane. He got a personalized Mother Teresa crucifix which he used to store up treasure on earth. Let's get him out of here. Why should the missionaries of charity have such a special vocation for work among the rich? And does Mother Teresa pick frauds because they need her help more than the honest billionaires? It's not a question that she's ever answered, but then, in the prevailing atmosphere of piety and adoration, it's not a question that she's ever been asked. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, she went on to do that work. She spread all those, those that billion dollars or whatever across 130 really shitty clinics all over the world that uh, barely did anything better for anybody, uh, promoted poverty uh, in many cases. Uh, one was a proponent of poverty. She was given a Nobel Peace Prize. And then, uh, yeah, when she died, they flew her to a world-class hospital far away from the shithole that she ran. Uh, in an attempt to try and uh, keep up on it. And she was uh, she was pushed through by the Vatican, some bullshit reasons to make her a saint, because she was such a great PR lady and made them so much money and and spread Catholicism in such a, such a brutal way during those years. And that was another thing that she did is she would give uh, baptisms against people's will against people's like intention, like a non-consensual baptism, (laughs) a non-consensual baptism for people who were on their deathbed, who were like moments from dying. She'd give them a real quick, a little something. Has Mel Gibson 
Has Mel Gibson made a movie about her yet? Soon. Okay. We can yeah, it's called it. The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> I mean, they, they gender swapped her, but yeah. God. Uh, <laughs> I'd watch that. Uh, yeah, let's see. Do I have any other ones here? I think I think that's, uh, that's it for me. Pretty sure. Could be tighter. Could be tighter. Could be tighter. <laughs> Did I play the kidneys one? Eh, it doesn't matter. I'm over time anyway. Ah, so that's Mother Teresa, that piece of shit. Well, uh, for the last last ma- last half of the last match of the last bracket. Uh, Ready? Go! Henry Kissinger. Let me hit, let me just hit you with a couple of these real quick. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah okay I like this one Kiss, Henry Kissinger uh, right after the Watergate scandal President Nixon called him on the phone after his resignation Nixon was all in a not in a bad he was in a bad mood and he had a personal conversation with Henry Kissinger and this is what Kissinger's aide says <laughs> well Kissinger's aide doesn't know where the uh, tapes wound up of that, about, uh, of that private conversation between them When Kissinger returned to his office, the phone rang. The president was shell-shocked. Kissinger reassured the president that if he were to ever talk about their meeting, it would be with the utmost respect. But because the wiretapping system was still installed in the White House, there was reportedly a highly personal tape of Nixon's call. I made sure that the tape didn't go anywhere, yes. Could you describe this? No, I never... I don't. I don't know where it is now, and I never listened to it. So he he does the aide to Kissinger doesn't know where the tape is, and he never listened to it. You never listened to it. No, I did not. So what did you do with the tape? I never listened to it. Did you destroy it? I. It was in. It, you know. It was obviously destroy so it. intensely personal. That yes, I did. <laughs> he starts off like I don't know where it is, and then under no pressure at all goes. Yeah, actually, I destroyed it. Uh, I don't know what was on that tape, but it was apparently fairly damning or embarrassing to Kissinger or, or at least Nixon. Um, not a big fan of human rights and following the Geneva Convention. Kissinger, our general strategy in human rights was to conduct it with a policy of engagement. That is to say. That we talked to, uh, we used our influence with Pinochet to bring about the release of prisoners uh, and uh, to to uh, humanize his conduct. Kissinger's realpolitik was was I, I would say amoral. Yes, uh, there was a deliberate uh, ignoring of what a country did inside its boundaries. Our only criterion for judging it as our friend or foe was what its foreign policy was. Uh, there was a deliberate uh, uh, blind eye turned toward how it treated its own citizens. Uh, and I think that often amounted to violations of international law. Human rights was an alien concept uh, to Kissinger. One can look at it 30 years later from the from the posture of uh, of a different approach and start second guessing the conversations uh, but if you read my conversations with Pinochet you can say on the one hand I was too polite to him 
On the other hand, you can also say that uh, the only conversation that I've had with him, that four-fifths of it concerned human rights issues, uh, put in a very polite way and not in a confrontational way. Uh, so that would have to be uh, judged. Uh, but it's not a subject I will now I will pursue. And so, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's, he's like, uh, yeah, people can decide whether or not it was right for me to prop up these murderous dictators and aid them in weapons supplies that helped them genocide their own people. People can decide whether or not that was uh, ethical, but it, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, and I'll just do one more. I, I got so many Kissinger clips, but um, I think we've heard enough of this guy for one day. This is just... Uh, this was from that hundred when he was a hundred years old. Um, shortly after the October seventh, uh, it was worse than America's nine eleven, but not as bad as America's January sixth. That was the attack on Israel with the paragliders. And this is Henry Kissinger. He's he's asked by the interviewer. The interviewer's like, "What do you think um, about all? Is there a? Do we need to rethink our migration process?" Because of all these uh, Muslims inside the borders of Germany that are handing out candy and celebrating with balloons that Israel was attacked. And this is, uh, <laughs> this is Kissinger's response. <laughs> so is that the consequence of a failed uh, migration policy in Germany? Or does it... It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious and concepts because uh, it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. Uh, So I find celebrations about what happened with technically was a sort of criminal act as painful. What? He calls the Hamas attack on Israel it was sort of technically a criminal act. <laughs> so, does he know something? <laughs> does he know something we don't know about this? Sort of technically a criminal act. Well, yeah, you definitely know something we don't know. Yeah, but it's like, what the fuck, bro? Celebrations about what happened, which technically was a sort of criminal act as painful. You have met in your political life. All right, that's enough of that. I think I'll end it there. That's just, what do you think about that? It was technically sort of a criminal act. Like, this guy gets away with saying whatever he wants as long as he says it's slow enough, yeah. and deep enough. He just admits to genocide and all those kinds of shit, but nobody cares because he talks so slow. Dude, I'm telling you, I could have just, I there's only it's, I I was surprised how many more clips I I have and could have gotten from Kissinger. This guy is a real piece of work. But with that, I'll leave it there, and uh, we'll get this last poll going. Oh, man, it's the final round. Oh, final, yeah, the final round. It's called uh, Bud Heavy. I feel like uh, Kissinger is George Soros heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There, there's something about them, those two. Maybe they know each other. 
I, All right. I will um, say it's a little it odd that everybody, that them and their families had to flee Germany during World War II now end up being the world's supervillains. Uh, the Schwab family, the Kissinger family, the Rockefeller family, and on and on. It's like, um, well, I don't know. I don't need to connect any more dots than I already have. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. You're onto something there. I think you're onto something. I wonder what. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, right. there is a common denominator here, but I'm not going to be the one to say what the common denominator sandwich. is. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're both old Germans? Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, Pokemon Go to the polls. I don't All know right. who created Pokemon Go. Rock the boat or else I'm going to stick a knife through your eye. But I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon Go to the polls. Yeah. mk.spook.social slash at lavish get that vote in I slam my jimmy through your mouth roof, mouth roof. now get your big ass in the polling booth vote I said vote 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 bitch vote 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 kill you oh we gotta vote. I'm not gonna vote or die motherfucker motherfucker vote or die I'm not gonna open the phone lines but we did have a uh, we did have one voicemail come through so let's play that yeah man I vote for that boule guy that mlk guy sometimes why Boulet. M-L-K. Robert Boulet. MLK. I know I shouldn't eat these, but they're for a limited time only. A 30 seconds. web sandwich. What will they think of next? Get in there and vote. You got 20 seconds left. Get those votes in, people. Oh, my God. Is it another close one? I haven't looked. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's no, not really, but that's no. okay. <laughs> no, not very close. Not at all. Not close. No, no, not close at but, all, actually. Well, you can only have one super well, sub-death per round. Super sub-death. All right. Final results. The final results. The champion is. With 14 out of 23 votes, Henry Kissinger is today's dead douchebag. <laughs> Make a douche. I'm going to say I called that. I called that from the very beginning. Make a douche. Well, what I know is there's 14 voters out there that are anti-Semitic. Yep. Uh, (laughs) We'll worry about it later. So that means Henry Kissinger is going to be toe-to-toe with Andrew Taint and Taylor Grift coming up. But that's for, uh, for me. I think that'll do it. Thanks, everybody. Shootmyass.com. Lavish, of course. Behind the schemes every Monday night with the lovely Boobery. Yeah, uh, you get us at bts.lol. The most streamlined, sophisticated, advanced, and groundbreaking show in podcasting 2.0 every Monday night at badradio.live. And Noah, I don't know. Do you have anything to plug? Can I I get a shout out? Yeah. Uh, can I get a can I get a hee hee for Michael Jackson and a two LRH for uh, L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, hang on. <laughs> Is that fair? <laughs> yeah. Let me get. <laughs> or maybe a motion pick shot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> motion pick shot. It was a good one. A good one. Uh, everybody. Good. Good round. That was a that was fun. Um. I'm glad we don't have to do dead people again after this, though. 
better. Yeah, it's let's, better. Let's get back to the live ones. I've yeah. already got. I've already got my picks for the next battle douchebags. Well, we got a live one here. Ooh. Ooh. I like him dead. Uh, but yeah, thanks again to the Gurkinator for that uh, donation from Last Battle of Douchebags. Thanks to Larry for coming in. That LarryShow.com, Planet Rage, uh, Nestworks, of course, with the great art. And thank you to Bimrose for the, letting us hijack the stream. And oh, big thanks to Sir Spencer for rebroadcasting the stream. Bowl after bowl. Oh, and guess yeah. what? I'm going to sign off the stream right now, right after I tell you this. Homegrown Hits is live. Go over to homegrownhits.xyz. Listen to some Demu Demu DJs. Spin some Demu tunes. Uh, Yeah, with DeLorean and MK and Mary-Kate Ultra and Daisy B. Cooper. Daisy B. And that was Battle of the Dead Douchebags. Another one. Another one. Popped a pork 40 and got straight to Sturkin. teaser there oh yeah I'm gonna get bud heavy right now sounds like a plan could be tighter excuse me brothers and sisters please King looked out on his people and saw they were in great need. So he did what all great leaders do. He told them the truth. Will you ignorant niggas please shut the hell up? (gasps) 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 He just said what I think he did. Is this it? This is what I got all those ass whoopings for? I had a dream once. It was a dream that little black boys and little black girls would drink from the river of prosperity, freed from the thirst of oppression. But lo and behold, some four decades later, what have I found but a bunch of trifling, shiftless, good-for-nothing niggas. And I know some of you don't want to hear me say that word. It's the ugliest word in the English language, but that's what I see now, niggas. And you don't want to be a nigger, cause niggas are living contradictions. Niggas are full of unfulfilled ambitions. Niggas wax and wane. Niggas love to complain. Niggas love to hear themselves talk but hate to explain. Niggas love being another man's judge and jury. Niggas procrastinate until it's time to worry. Niggas love to be late. Niggas hate to hurry. Black Entertainment Television is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Usher, Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. And now I'd like to talk about Soul Plane. I've seen what's around the corner. I've seen what's over the horizon. And I promise you, you niggas have nothing to celebrate. And no, I won't get there with you. I'm going to Canada. I wanted to do an honest assessment 
of King, his life, and put it all in one article, in one piece for people to think about and chew on. And I'll, I'll even give this as a, as a caveat. I recognize where I landed, people might push back on, and I'm absolutely okay with that. But I, I, what I did was I, I made my case uh, throughout the piece before I landed where I did regarding the idea that, that the civil rights movement, which is what I, what I call the, 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 old, the old civil rights, and this new civil rights movement that includes the LGBTQ plus agenda with all of the transgender related issues, those two, th- there's a symbiotic relationship between the two that, that is more than just uh, borrowed ideas. Uh, it, it's not just that the new generation has borrowed the ideas. I want to I want to argue that these ideas were embedded in the process theologically, ideologically and methodologically in King's and King's movement. King's infidelity is a well-known but often overlooked aspect of his personal life. It's a part of the narrative that's often pushed aside, overshadowed by his monumental achievements in civil rights. Yet, it's a crucial part of understanding the complex and sometimes darker side of Martin Luther King Jr. Let's delve into a specific incident that occurred on the day of King's tragic death. After delivering his last speech at the Masonic Temple, King indulged in a night of partying and found companionship with a woman he met at the party. The next morning his friend, Ralph Abernathy, woke him to address a situation with another woman who had been waiting all night for King. She was fuming, and understandably so. Abernathy bore witness to an argument between King and the woman that escalated alarmingly fast. In a shocking turn, King was seen striking the woman hard enough to catapult her to the other side of the bed. The woman hastily left the scene, leaving behind an air of tension and disbelief. This incident, however, is not a standalone event. It's part of a larger pattern where King's infidelity crossed into the realm of violence. This chilling accusation is rooted in an FBI report that alleges King was not just a bystander, but an active participant in a horrifying incident of sexual violence. The report details a night when King and several Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or SCLC officials checked into Washington, D.C.'s Willard Hotel. They were not alone, but accompanied by several women referred to as parishioners. The group convened in King's room, where they began discussing which women would be suitable for natural and unnatural sex acts. One woman, however, voiced her dissent. She protested, asserting her disapproval of the situation. It was then, the report claims, that one of King's colleagues, identified by historian David Garrow as the Reverend Logan Kearse, a Baptist minister from Baltimore, forcibly raped her. And where was Martin Luther King Jr. during this horrific act? The FBI report alleges King not only witnessed the rape, but actively encouraged it, even laughing as the incident unfolded. A lot of those recordings had him talking to his mistresses and even planning out exploits with sex workers. Those FBI audio tapes allege that MLK had affairs with over 40 women in multiple states and allegedly fathered children within his affairs. And, and those children have never been acknowledged or identified. While traveling for the protests and marches, MLK and his team allegedly lived a very wild bachelor type lifestyle. FBI documents stated that naked women, naked, naked, honey, naked women would run the halls of the hotel floors they stayed on and that they were bringing white prostitutes into their rooms. The most alarming allegation in all of it 
is that Martin Luther King was present in a hotel room when a friend of his, Baltimore pastor Logan Curse, forcibly had non-consensual intercourse, or the R word. I don't want to say it because I don't want them to take my video down. <laughs> but he forcibly had non-consensual intercourse with the woman who resisted participating. So non-consensual intercourse forced upon her. And they're alleging that while Logan Curse was completing that horrific act, they're saying MLK was in the room. The FBI agent who was in charge of surveying the room stated that MLK looked on, laughed, and offered advice. Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. <laughs> yes. Michael Jackson has been dead for 10 years, and this nigga has two new cases. <laughs> And if you haven't watched that documentary, uh, then I'm begging you, don't watch it. It's fucking gross. I felt like HBO was sticking baby dicks in my ears for four hours straight. Really nasty shit. I don't want to know all these things. Turns out, uh, Michael Jackson allegedly likes a long gander at the anus. So they said he stares at people's buttholes. That's what they said. That's how gross the documentary was. I'm going to say something that I'm not allowed to say. But I got to be real. Uh, I don't believe these motherfuckers. I do not believe them. Let me qualify the statement. I, I am what's known on the streets as a victim blamer. <laughs> you know what I mean? If somebody come up to me like, Dave, Dave, Chris Brown just beat up Rihanna. I'll be like, well, what did she do? <laughs> Dave, Michael Jackson was molesting children. Well, what were those kids wearing at the time? I don't think he did it. But you know what? Even if he did do it, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, it's Michael Jackson. I know more than half the people in this room have been molested in their lives. But it wasn't no goddamn Michael Jackson, was it? kid got his dick sucked by the king of pop. All we get is awkward thanksgivings for the rest of our lives. You know how good it must have felt to go to school the next day after that shit? Hey, Billy, how was the weekend? How was my weekend? Michael Jackson sucks my dick. was my first sexual experience. If I'm starting here, then well, sky's the limit. <laughs> I 
I know it seems harsh, but man, somebody's got to teach these kids. There's no such thing as a free trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, he's going to want to look at your butthole or something. <laughs> you know why I don't believe it? You know why I don't believe it? Because if Michael Jackson's out here doing all this molesting, then, then why not Macaulay Culkin? Hmm? Macaulay Culkin said in an interview that Michael Jackson never did anything inappropriate with him or even around him. Think about that shit. You know, I'm not a pedophile. But if I was, Macaulay Culkin's the first kid I'm fucking. I'll tell you that right now. I'd be a goddamn hero. Hey, that guy over there fucked a kid from Home Alone. And you know how hard he is to catch. Remember something. Just because it's in print doesn't mean it's the gospel. People write negative things because they feel that's what sells. Good news to them doesn't sell. And Jackson says his relationship with this boy he first met a year ago was positive. He says he was determined to help him with his battle against cancer. So when, when he would come over, what, what would he do? What would you do? I'll tell you exactly. Um, when I first saw him, he was totally bald-headed, white as snow from the chemotherapy, very bony, looked anorexic. No eyebrows, no eyelashes. And he was so weak, I would have to carry him from the house to the game room or push him in a wheelchair to try to give him a childhood, a life. Because I felt bad. Because I never had that chance, too, as a child. You know, and so I know it, it, it felt like in that way, not being sick, but not having had a childhood. So my heart go out to those children. I feel their pain. Jackson says he tried to help in the healing process by taking the boy around the grounds of Neverland to Jackson's favorite places. He had never really climbed a tree, so I had this tree that I have at Neverland. I call it my giving tree because I like to write songs up there. I've written many songs up there. So I said, you have to climb a tree. That's part of boyhood. You just got to do it. And uh, I helped him up, and once he went... Up, up the tree we looked down on the branches and it was so beautiful it was magical and he loved it to give him a chance to have a life you know because he was told he was going to die they told him they told his, his parents to prepare for his funeral that's how bad it was and I put him on a program I've helped many children doing this I put them on a mentor program the boy whose name and face we're not revealing has credited Michael Jackson's friendship and support with helping him to battle his cancer. Isn't that great? Not sick at all. No more cancer. And last February, in a British documentary that was filmed before the boy alleged he was sexually molested, he said that he had stayed overnight at Jackson's home many times and had slept in his bedroom. There was one night I stood in there and I asked him if I could stay in the bedroom. He let me stay in the bedroom. And I was like, Michael, you can sleep on the bed. And he was like, no, 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 you sleep on the bed, sleep on the bed. We're like, no, 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 you sleep on, you sleep on the bed. And then he finally said, okay, if you love me, you sleep on the bed. I was like, oh, man. 
And so I finally slept on the bed. Do, do, do you know how this looks to a lot of people? I mean, do you understand that? How does what look? How the fact that you... No, why people think sex. Mm -hmm. They're thinking sex. My mind doesn't run that way. When I see children, I see the face of God. That's why I love them so much. That's what I see. Do, do you know any other man your age, a 45-year-old man who shares his bedroom with children? Of course. Not for sex. No, that's wrong. Well, let me, let me say, from my perspective, my experience, I don't know any 45-year-old men who are not relatives of the children who share their bedroom with other children. Well, what's wrong with sharing your bed? I didn't say I slept in the bed. Even if I did sleep in the bed, it's okay. I am not going to do anything sexual to a child. It's not where my heart is. I will slip my wrist first. I would never do anything like that. That's not Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. That's someone else. I don't read all the things written about me. I wasn't aware that the world thought I was so weird and bizarre. But when you grow up, as I did, in front of 100 million people since the age of five, you're automatically different. The last few weeks, I have been cleansing myself, and it's been a rebirth for myself. It's like a cleansing spirit. I love you, too. <laughs> My... My childhood was completely taken away from me. There was no Christmas. There was no birthdays. It was not a normal childhood. No normal pleasures of childhood. Those were exchanged for hard work, struggle, and pain. And eventual material and professional success. But as an awful price, I cannot recreate that part of my life. Nor would I change any part of my life. However, today, when I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. I wonder what delight nature must feel when we open our hearts and express our God-given talents. The sound of approval rolls across the universe and the whole world abounds in magic. Wonder fills our hearts for what we have glimpsed for an instant, the playfulness of life. And that's why I love children and learn so much from being around them. I realize that many of our world's problems today from the inner city crime to large-scale wars and terrorism and our overcrowded prisons are a result of the fact that children have had their childhood stolen from them. The magic, the wonder, the mystery, and the innocence of a child's heart are the seeds of creativity that will heal the world. I really believe that. What we, what we, <laughs> I love you too. What, what we need to learn, what we need to learn from children isn't childish. Being with them connects us to the deeper wisdom of life, which is ever present and only asked to be lived. They know the way to solutions that lie waiting to be recognized within our own hearts. Today I would like to thank all the children of the world, including, including the sick, and deprived, I am so sensitive to your pain. Not the first time Latoya said that, by the way. In an interview with CNN, she also made it very clear that she knew the death was planned. Because first of all, Michael told me that they were going to murder him. 
He was afraid. He was, was afraid for was his life. According to Latoya, when Michael walked in the house that fateful night, whoever it was that greeted him, he knew that his end was upon him. And as soon as he had passed, some of the very people he had expressed suspicions about started controlling his estate. In fact, she wasn't scared to drop a couple of names, one of them being Dr. Tomei, who managed Michael's affairs towards the end of his life. Apparently, as soon as Tomei began acting as Michael's business advisor, he fired key people who had been close to Michael for years. And once Tomei shut out the rest of the world, he was able to steer Michael toward business ventures that were profitable for him and his friends. Sounds like somebody had an agenda, right? And if you ask Latoya, she will tell you that Michael Jackson's only daughter, Paris, also believes her father was unalived. And I just wanted to say I love him so much. In fact, in her book, Starting Over, LaToya wrote about Paris's description of her father's final days, which were, Daddy was always cold. Daddy was always freezing. He would sit and fall asleep by the fireplace. He would always cry, and we would watch to make sure everything was fine. And he needed a doctor, and then they turned the lights out. We were in the dark, and they cut the phones off. When Gavin was there, he talked about the fact that he shares your bedroom. Yes. Can you understand why people would worry about that? Because they're ignorant. But is it really appropriate for a 44-year-old man to share a bedroom with a child who is not related to him at all? That's a beautiful thing. That's, that's not a worrying thing? Why should it be worrying? Who's the criminal? Who's, who's Jack the Ripper in the room? <laughs> this is a guy trying to help heal a child. Do you ever sleep in the bed with them? No. But I have slept in the bed with many children. I sleep in the bed with all of them. When Macaulay Culkin were little, Kiri, Kieran Culkin would sleep on this side. Macaulay Culkin's on this side. His sister's in there. We're all just jamming the bed. And we'd wake up like dawn and go in the hot air balloon. You know, we would, we have the footage. We I have all that footage. But is that right, Michael? It's very right. It's very loving. That's what the world needs now. More love, more the world. More, the world needs a heart. the world needs a man who's forty four sleeping no, in a bed you're making with it, children. No, no, you're making it all wrong. Well, well tell me, help me. Because what's wrong with sharing a love? You, you don't sleep with uh, your kids or some other kid who needs love who didn't have a no, good childhood. No, I don't. I would never dream of sleeping. I would. I would, Sleep, I would never dream. Because you've never been where I've been mentally. What innocent. do you think people would say if I said, well? I've invited some of my daughter's friends round or my son's friends round and they're going to sleep in the bed with me tonight. That's fine. What do you think their parents would say? If they're wacky, they would say, you can't. But if you're close family, like your family, you know them well. And, um, and, uh, but, Michael, I wouldn't like my children to sleep in anybody else's bed. Well, I wouldn't mind if I knew the person well and I, like, if... I'm very close to Barry Gibb. Paris and Prince can stay with him anytime. My children sleep with other people all the time. And you're happy with that? I'm fine with it. They're honest. They're sweet people. They're not Jack the Ripper. I suppose the problem for many people is what happened in 1993 or what didn't happen. What didn't happen. Just cast your mind back. What was that like when you first heard the allegations that were being made against you? It was shocking, and I'm not allowed to talk about this by way of law. I was shocked because um, God knows in my heart how much I adore children. But isn't that precisely the problem, that when you actually invite children into your bed, you never know what's going to happen. But when you say bed, 
You're thinking sexual. They make that sexual. It's not sexual. But we're going to sleep. I tuck them in. We put. I put a little like uh, music on into a little storytelling. I read a book. It's very sweet. We put the fireplace on. We give them hot milk. You know, we have little cookies. It's very charming. Very sweet. Sure. It's what the whole world should do. Michael Jackson also personally voiced his King of Pop character for the 2000 video game release Ready to Rumble Boxing Round 2, where he speaks in a lower register than his usual speaking voice. They call me the King of Pop. I'm going to dance all over you. Michael So you'd be bad, huh? I don't move over for no one. Scientology itself is not exactly a religion. Scientology could be called, well, you could call it a religion of religions. Uh, You will find, you will find an actual fact when you go around and look at the various religious uh, uh, philosophies and so forth uh, that man man has in religion many answers to his future survival and uh, he has many explanations of existence now when you clarify those various uh, religions uh, feel that they are expanded or that they are clarified as well and uh, they are quite keen to uh, find out how this illustrates or uh, illuminates their own religion are you saying then that any specific religion is rather narrow in its outlook? No, no, no. Uh, any man is entitled to believe what he wishes to believe. Uh, I have no quarrel with man's beliefs and uh, so on. But religion has, uh, has had so many facets that its main point of um, dispute in life is the fact that so many people in so many different places, have so many different views of what life and God are all about. And if Scientology could reconcile these views, it would be doing a great service to man. Do you think it can, Mr. Hubbard? I not only think it can, I know that it does. We have, in many instances, uh, been able to uh, uh, bring a great deal of uh, knowledge or relief or light into various situations of a religious nature without for a moment disputing the tenets which were held. After all, religion is basically an effort to make man good, uh, an effort to give him better, uh, a better society and so forth, and Scientology does all those things, so naturally it aids and abets the effort of any religionist or any minister anywhere to achieve his own purposes motion picture.
Doesn't Scientology have any dogma at all? For instance, life after death? Well, life after death is life after death. And uh, you can't lay down a dogma where you're dealing with fact. And it's very interesting that an individual uh, does survive life after death, but I'm afraid that's too technical an act, uh, a question to go into in a program of this nature. Uh, are you saying that Scientology has proved this? Yes, proven it definitely. Has it proved anything else in the spiritual field? Well, yes, it's, it's proved that, uh, it's proved that uh, man is basically... Uh, but in your processing, you work on the mind, don't you? Well, yes. Uh, here, here's, let, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you an example here uh, of something of a sort. Let us say, uh, here is uh, not a very good example. One, oh, here, here's something. Here's something. Now we speak of a body. Here we speak of a body. And there is a body. And uh, now uh, there's an invisible thing somewhat invisible, but nevertheless containing mass and uh, space and energy, uh, electrical potential and so forth, which surrounds this, uh, which you call a mind. And in that mind is recorded every experience the person has ever had. Uh, they are recorded continuously and so on. And then uh, within all that, uh, centralized in all that, you have the, uh, the spirit. And it does not have mass, and it does not have a body, and so on. It, all it has is a being, a, sen a sense of identity, the ability to create, uh, the ability to uh, be. And that is the spirit. That is you. Uh, uh, you ask somebody, what is a spirit? And uh, the fellow, you might as well ask, how are you? <laughs> you, get, you, get the same, you get the same response. So, but anyway, there is this mind and then there's a body. So actually a spirit is wearing a mind and it's wearing a body. And uh, when you audit or process a person, he then is able to confront this mind which hitherto has been totally invisible to him. And You're talking here about the unconscious mind. Well, yes, there's the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, all, any kind of mind is simply a composite of mass uh, which contains experience and pictures of experience and so forth. Traumatic experience, pleasant experience and so forth. This is a record of his experience. And uh, that is his mind. Man has an automobile accident. He has a picture of an automobile accident. He has all the sensations of having been hurt in the automobile accident. It takes him a long time to recover because he's still wearing the automobile accident. If you said, hey, why don't you take this automobile accident and throw it away? Why, all of a sudden he recovers from the automobile accident, naturally, because the thing is keeping it impressed upon him and his body is his mind. And so you do work with the mind. And you mentioned uh, David um, Henry Kissinger, and I think he first uh, was noticed by the Rockefeller family after he um, wrote a, um, a very erudite work on uh, nuclear weapons and nuclear war back in the late 1950s. Nuclear weapons and foreign policy. Right. Sure, yes. and it was then published, and uh, from that time on, he became uh, pretty close to the Rockefeller family. Well, he did. Um, actually, I guess I was the first one who got to know him because uh, he was a member of an organization called the Council on Foreign Relations in New York. And there was a, a study group at that time 
that he, as then a uh, young instructor at Harvard, uh, presided at. I was so impressed by him that uh, I introduced him to my brother Nelson, who was then governor in New York and was then considering uh, seeking the presidency of the United States. They became great friends, and actually uh, Henry became Nelson's foreign policy advisor as long as he was in public life, and I think is one of the remarkable international statesman in the world today, even 30 years after he was Secretary of State, he is still asked by heads of state when he travels the world uh, for their for his advice. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored, live from my home, because I've currently got COVID. Um, Professor Ferguson, I'll talk to you about two very polarizing figures. One who sadly uh, died, in the last few days, Henry Kissinger, who you've uh, been a biographer of, who I don't think I've ever seen anyone who got such extraordinarily different obituaries, depending on what media you were looking at or reading at the time. He was either a despotic monster and warmonger, or he was one of the pivotal and great figures of modern times. Uh, I know that you sit more in the in the latter, but do you understand why he, even in death, incited such an extraordinary range of opinions? Yes, I think I I do understand that, Piers. I've spent a good chunk of the last 20 years working on Henry Kissinger's life. I'm in the midst of a second volume of his uh, life as we speak. And one of the striking features of that extraordinary 100-year life uh, was how polarizing Henry Kissinger was. Uh, From a very early stage, he had critics on both the right and the left. Over time, the left became somehow more and more vituperative, especially after the end of the Cold War. Uh, And an old friend of mine, Christopher Hitchens, did a great deal of damage in this regard with a rather hastily written book called The Trial of Henry Kissinger, in which he made the claim on the basis of almost no evidence that somehow Henry Kissinger was a war criminal. Well, that really caught on. And for a generation who really didn't know a great deal about the Cold War, it became convenient uh, to say that about Henry Kissinger. Now, in in reality, uh, that really doesn't make any sense at all, because the kinds of things of which Henry Kissinger's accused, uh, using uh, bombing against uh, civilians uh, in Cambodia, for example, or supporting right-wing governments in Chile, are the things that secretaries of state have done pretty much throughout the period since 1945. So, to put it really crudely, there are either all war criminals or, uh, as seems more likely, none of them is. Uh, This is a really important point to make. But the second point I'd make uh, is that if Henry Kissinger had not been Jewish, I do not think the vituperation would have been anything like as serious. There's no question in my mind that part of what motivates people to hate Kissinger is conscious or unconscious anti-Semitism. And it's been very obvious since his death that people have been prepared to say absolutely shameful things about him, uh, literally within days of of his death. Uh, and I don't think mm. that you, you find that kind of thing uh, without there being some element of anti-Semitism. And that, I think, is the harsh reality. I love Jews! Shitmyass.com. 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 <laughs> 